Hey guys, brand new podcast, and it's a great one. It's in-person. We got more in-person ones coming. We got some in-studio ones. We also have some Zooms, and the Zooms are all really awesome. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sticking with this podcast while we did the Zooms with less than superior audio at times and just Zooms. We're out of the woods. All the Zooms that are coming now are bangers. All the rest of the podcasts are either in studio or in person. This one with Tom Papa is in person, outdoors. Uh, if you're watching it on YouTube, I'm sure it's going to be a little fucked up with the lighting, but whatever. Look, I'm not a fucking filmmaker, okay? <laughs> I do a podcast. We have a bottle of wine. I ended up losing a tooth at the end of this. Uh, you don't know that in hearing it. Here's the deal. I want you, if you're listening right now, to know that Tom has an online streaming event this Saturday. On the 26th, on the 27th at 6 p.m., you can book it now at rushticks.com, R-U-S-H-T-I-X.com. It is $15. He's live streaming from Sherman Oaks. There is an after party, if I'm not mistaken. Here we go. Let me, let me, let me, let me just, this show will have a live studio audience, so you will hear real laughter and reactions from a group of people selected from ticket buyers live laughter is what comedy is all about yeah no shit i got that it's a special part of the rush ticks experience all holders can watch the show for 48 hours after the live stream broadcast 18 over an event it's the biggest comedy club on the planet it really is look tom papa is probably one of the probably one of the best comics doing it in all honesty his special his recent special you're doing great. I think that's the name of it is uh, on Netflix and it is always in the top 10. And I'm talking about always in the top 10 this whole year. It's a little inside baseball. I shouldn't have probably shared. Maybe Tom's like, Hey man, I'll give a fuck to blow my shit up like that. It's legit. Always in the top 10. It's one of the best specials I've seen all year. Tom Papa is a baller when it comes to comedy. One of the best comics out. Sometimes I, I literally, we had, a, you'll have an experience that I wrote about him. I'm, I'm writing a new book. I shouldn't say that. Whatever. I'm writing a new book. I'm writing a new book. And I have a thing about Tom Papa in it. Because you go, you think you've had these great experiences. And then Tom Papa came up to me and he's like, hey, did you do the uh, fly into Tanzania in a hot air balloon and then drink goat's blood experience? And I was like, what? And he's like, are you doing that on stage? And I was like, you're already talking about that on stage? It just happened like a week ago to me. <laughs> he's the best. Check out his live streaming event. We have a, we have a bottle of wine. We have a great conversation. He's one of my absolute favorite human beings alive. Follow him on, on Instagram also. Uh, it's just Tom Papa, T-O-M-P-A-P-A. I can't say enough great things about this guy. Without further ado, let's get the podcast started, ladies and gentlemen. Today's podcast, and yes, I'm a little buzzed. My friend, stand-up comedian, podcaster, with a live streaming event this Saturday <laughs> on the 27th at 6 p.m. Go to rushticks.com. Tom Papa. This is Dude, I missed the first few days of COVID when you were like, it looks like I'm going to get a hobby. I'm going to start jogging. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to quit drinking. 
But weren't you frantic though? Like a little bit like I'm doing this shit so I don't go crazy because we might be dying, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I re I, uh, obviously we're outside the house that we're moving into soon. And we started this, we started this, if I won't be moving, but we started this at the beginning. We purchased it at the roughly around the beginning of COVID. So we would come over here and they hadn't started construction yet because I was panicking and I was like, sell everything. Yeah. We don't have enough money. Sell everything. Yeah. But I miss, I, can I tell you what I really miss? Mm -hmm. The day that putting hand sanitizer uh, on became a habit and, and I did it and wrote because I remember getting in the car and go, I said to my daughter, I said, hey, a little squirt squirt. And she went, oh, yeah. And it was like all of a sudden it was fun. I, I think of that every time I leave this place, I go, yeah, I'll never leave this house and not think of the pandemic. Yeah, I know. What is it going to? I know. Like my house I live in now, I have so many good memories, but all my memories are about them going to school for the first time, them standing outside and getting a picture. Yeah, I know. When I, when they, it's a weird thing. How are they with moving? Are they okay with changing the spot? Because they've been there in their whole lives, right? Yeah, they've been there the whole lives. Yeah, because my little one still holds on to the old house. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, she, it was literally up for sale. And the people who bought it from us changed the whole thing. I mean, changed the front door, changed the paint, changed everything. It's a totally different house. But my daughter is like, buy it. She's selling it. Buy it. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go oh. back. Oh, Let's my daughters are like, my daughters are like, you can't sell this house. And I said, why? And they go, this is where we grew up. Yeah. You can never sell it. And it's funny. I was like, you're out of your fucking mind. And then my parents were 70, 70, mm -hmm. and they started building a new house. And I said, why would you do that? My dad looked at me, he goes, because I'm not dead. <laughs> I said, well, I go, what? And he goes, you want me to stop living my life and having hopes and dreams? Because this is the sound of progress to me. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you. You want that. I love this. It's 410 and they're still working. They're usually gone by now. That is pretty good. I think it's because I'm doing a podcast. They're like, they're like, ah. These guys are hustling. They're like, he's still here. Fuck, keep working. They're like, maybe he'll ask us to be on the podcast. <laughs> you know what's so funny is these are the same guys that redid our house that we live in now. Oh, really? And one day they were like, uh, they're, I, it, I had two experiences. I, I mash them up. If I ever tell about it on stage, I mash them up into one experience. Uh -huh. But I have two experiences. One was... I used to listen to them. We, we just had like a piece of plywood from our living room to the rest of the, where they were rebuilding. Yeah. So I could hear them. Yeah. And one day they're, um, <laughs> they're laughing and they're laughing hysterically. Yeah. And one guy's doing this uh, character uh -huh. and they're fucking dying laughing. Yeah. And I go around the back and I go through and I go, Hey guys. And as soon as I walk around, I realize they stop laughing immediately. And I realize they were making fun of me. <laughs> You were the character. I was the character. <laughs> and I said to one of the guys, I said, I said something about that instance later. Uh -huh. And he said, yeah. He goes, we were, he goes, we didn't mean it bad. He's just like, you know, we just like, what do you do? And I was like, what? And they're like, we only see you go back in this room with other men and then come out giggling. Like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, they have no frame of reference. Like, for like, oh, I'm a podcaster. Because podcasting wasn't even yeah. huge at that time. Yeah. Let alone, I don't even think I was monetized at that time. <laughs> right. And so, and I was like, oh, I do podcasts. And he's like, huh? I go, I do like a radio show. And he's like, radio? She's like, peel in? And I was like, yeah, they just like peel in. <laughs> you can do porn on the radio? <laughs> you can do gay porn on the radio? That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, these guys, these, these guys are awesome. They did our last house. Yeah. And uh, that's good. Yeah, you can depend on him. So your father decided 
okay, maybe my dream is to live in your yeah, old house? Yeah, he goes, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm supposed to just shut my life down so that you can have the house that you grew up in to come home to once a year, but I got to fucking live in that shithole. And, uh, like, and so he built a new house. And I was like, I didn't understand it. And then I was like, oh yeah, they're not dead. Yeah. yeah. Why, why would you, why would you at 70 go, I guess I'm just done doing things. Yeah. But you know what? I'm with you because my parents sold my childhood home and moved into some townhouse and, uh, yeah, I get it for them. All yeah. nice reasons. No shoveling, hanging out like no, no, it's not a big upkeep. The whole thing. Very happy. <laughs> I, I fly back to New Jersey. I have no place to go. I can't go to my old house. I drive by my old house. I just look in the windows and this other family that's in there. It's like, I wanted that house forever. Dude. And the, the smell. Yes. My wife had something shipped out from her grandmother's house and she opened the box the other day. And her, now her cousin lives in the house. Yeah. She used to open the box and she goes, I got real emotional. She goes, it smells like granny's house. Oh, And I man. was like, oh, shit. My my parents' new house doesn't smell like, it smells like a new house. It smells like a new house. You yeah. know what it smells like? It smells like they don't love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like they don't care about you anymore. You ever smell your grandma's house in a strange place? Like no. just walking through like a comedy club or like going into an old restaurant and it's like, it smells like grandma's house. No, I tell you what I have smelled. Uh, my fraternity house in weird places where you go back and you're like, wait, this smells like my fraternity house. You're like, yeah, stale beer and piss. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a homeless shelter. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so Mr. Clean thrown on top I of it. I have smelled my fraternity house. <laughs> yeah. The down hall or the the down hall is where like when parties are going on, that's yeah. where everyone threw up. And I was like, oh, down hall. Down, like, yeah. No, I haven't smelled my. So are you keeping the old place? Oh, yeah. Well, we are. We are. What we're going to do is out? my sister wants to buy a house. And so um, we're going to just rent it to her. And she's going to oh, sell good. her place, rent that. Yeah. And then take her time to find a house. Yeah. Man, it's so funny because my daughter, who wants us to have that house, it's, a, you know, it was our first home. So it's a small little bungalow, you know. And she, she hates being around us now. Like, like. <laughs> Like, like she has, uh, she can go to her own room. We have to text her to find her. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not a massive place, but it's big. It's a couple stories and stuff. And uh, she has this fantasy. Like, we could just go move back into that old place. She would be sharing a bathroom with me. Oh. I mean, it would be a nightmare. Oh, our bathrooms right now. Like, I, I, I it's, I'm, I had issues with our house because people would come to our house. You've been to my yeah, house, yeah. right? People would come to my house and they'd always go say the same thing. This is so small. And I think they'd expect me to have like a big house. Uh -huh. And I was always like, not even self-conscious of it. I I felt proud of the fact that it was a small house. The same way I witnessed Kevin uh, Kevin James had a, a Cherokee, like a used red Jeep Cherokee yeah. when he was on King of Queens. Yeah. It was like a 1988 Cherokee. Nice. And I remember going like, why didn't he have a nice car? And Gary goes, because he's saving his money. Right. And I was like, <laughs> Gary Valentine's his brother. And I was like. I was like, whoa. And I had like a fucking expensive car. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm living this right. And then right. I, I'd see my house and I'd be like, I'd be proud of the fact that I didn't. Our nut was so, oh. it was, it was nothing. Oh, I know. And then look, your house, I've been to your house. Yeah. Uh, you weren't at my old house. I yeah, I was. Think. You were? Which one? No, no. I think I was at the new one. You new were at the new the pool one. with were, the yeah. bamboo? No, yeah, yeah. That's the new one. The old house, it was your house. I mean, we lived yeah. kind of near each other and we now we live near each other in a different way, but, uh, it was the same kind of house. It was that same. Yeah. And I loved it, but it was just like, I just wanted a place where, and you'll see with your girls, like they can have, they're going to hang with their friends. 
You want them to be able to hang at your house and have like a bunch of people. Not, and have, they will not hang at my house. Yeah, now. now they will. They'll be like, oh, they have privacy and stuff. They can go sit in the backyard. Now, if yeah. you go into the backyard, I'm staring at you in my man cave. And I'm running in a pair of boy shorts <laughs> right. with no shirt on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the other thing, man. Nudity was like an issue at our house. Yeah. Because you could walk in on someone naked. Of course. And I I, I mean, I my, I my favorite thing in the world Yeah, I love about my house is to go out of my bedroom into the pool naked first uh -huh. thing in the morning ice cold yeah. swim back and forth a few times yeah and then do an instagram story and then and then get out yeah. dry off get a cup of coffee but that's great when, when that's a great morning when quarantine started and they were all they were home all the time i was a fucking like you have to put sketchy that was a dicey i know i just rolled the dice and i was like let's hope we don't traumatize them <laughs> When's the last time your girls have seen you naked? Uh, I have a new bit about it, Tom. Uh, in <laughs> Bali, we were in Bali on vacation. How long ago? Uh, it was a. It was right before, right before quarantine. So la one year, probably a little year and a little change. All right, that's recent. And, um, and I had uh, not to give away the whole bit, mm. but I was in the most compromising position you could ever want to be naked. Oh, I had. I was on my back with my feet in the air, <laughs> playing, joking to my wife, going shave my asshole <laughs> and they walked in and fucking melted down like walked in uh, oh no yeah and did they think like something was going on sexual like uh yes well you know what's so funny is i i did the bit a lot on the on the drive-in tours yeah and um and drive-in comedy was so different in that it had to be so punchy yeah it was a little different than you might do it in a the theater like, right you really had to fucking be swinging the entire time. Yeah, and I, I and it, the whole premise of the bit is my ass hairs were tied together. I've been walking around all day, <laughs> right? And my ass still, hair still gets tied together. Like if I jog, like how do you over, know that? I because I wash my asshole. <laughs> like I go to give it a little credit and card, and you got to break through, and you got to break through, you got to rip it <laughs> break through. through the spider web. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, I'm with you. And so normally, I, and the joke, I think of this every time. <laughs> Uh, the, it's like the, you got so sometimes you got such a little crowd reactions. I mean, you'd hear laughs, but you couldn't really interact with the audience. And one yeah. time I was in Chicago and I was like, look, as most hairy men will tell you and some Italian women, and this lady in the front row goes, oh, <laughs> through the car loud enough. You can yeah. hear it from the car. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I, so they caught you. They walked in and saw that they walked in and they walked in and we were on vacation Oh boy, and uh, and then it's so funny. Yet today, Isla <laughs> said something. I forget how, it, but Isla goes, "Yeah, I saw mom naked yesterday." And my wife, who thought I had traumatized them, she's like, "You got to be careful. You got to be careful. You can't just be naked yeah. in a hotel room." And I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about? You shouldn't yeah. give them in the key." <laughs> and my wife, who uh, today when Isla goes, "I saw mom naked," Leanne just goes, "It was your fault. You knew I was naked. Why would you come into the bathroom?" And I was like, oh, so you get a pass, but I look like a fucking asshole. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, there is that thing, you know, daughters, dads. Like, there was a, a moment where it was like, all right, we're going to stop letting you in the shower. Yeah. Like, it's just getting, it's. I got in trouble at the Dallas Improv for telling, you know what it was? It was a bit. You ever not change the age of the person in the bit? Yeah. You do the bit, but then you have kids and they become. Like you're doing a bit and it works. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's seven. Yeah. And you still got this bit that works and you go to it. <laughs> but my everyone knew my daughters were like seven and five. Uh-huh. And I was a bit about showering with my daughters. 
Right. And a guy got really upset and he's like, he's molesting his children and filed a legit complaint. And I have not worked the Addison Improv since. What? And it was just, I wanted to be like, I wanted to get the guy's phone number and be Wait like. Wait a minute. Yeah. And he filed. And, and he filed a complaint he with filed the club? A, with, and with CAA. And your agency. Yeah. And said he's molesting this his is, children. He's a child molester. He's molesting his children. But it, all it was was Weird. a bit you write when you're young, when the kids are infants. Oh, my kids were nine and six for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 especially when this is before you were do everyone was doing specials, so you yeah. have a bit you take you right. have a bit that was fucking five years old easily would you shove it in totally and, and then uh, it starts getting tricky when you start like doubling you're doing the math on stage and you're like uh well now yeah i was lying before they were a little older i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so but, but we hear that that guy would go to that to that length. he reached out to matt frost frosty called me and he's like hey man i don't know what bit you're doing but and he's like they've called the addison improv and they've called me, and he's like, he's going to send this like up the chain. Jeez. And I remember, I'm, but it, this is thank God before cell phones, because I'm sure if he had recorded it, I would have had no leg to stand on whatsoever. I would, it would just would have sounded horrible. And, right. I, and then I would have been like, oh, guys, I, yeah, ugh, I, it was a bit I did. Yeah. I, it was two bits, and I didn't think about their age. Right. My, uh, I have a thing now where I, um, when I come out of the, like I come out of the bathroom into the closet, and that's where my clothes are. So, you know, and that door goes to the hallway and, yeah. you know, I'm always like timing it. I'm, I'm always, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm so aware of what's happening in the house. Yeah. Like I know when people are upstairs, downstairs, and it's like, I always think like when I'm changing into my workout clothes or something, I'm going to get busted and they're going to see my, I just turn. So worst case scenario, they see my ass. Yeah. And, uh, and it hasn't happened. It, I haven't gotten, they haven't seen me. I don't think they've ever seen me in the new house, actually. And that's like seven years now. Oh, wow. That's yeah. good. So now it's like beyond. Yeah. Isla was 11. Or no, yeah. no, no. She was 12 or 13 when she saw me naked. Right. And it was, it was, but I remember seeing my parents naked. Mm. Like You do? Oh, yeah. I'm, when I was in ninth grade, by the way, my dad would totally say this is a lie. This is a true story. Right. This is a 100% true story. Let me just say. Uh, you don't even have to defend it that much because he sold your childhood house and I'm with you. <laughs> Whatever you say about this man, I'm on your side. <laughs> he, he, um, he, uh, I was taking a shower one morning and he was running late for work and he was pissing and moaning. And you know how when you're a kid, you're sleepy and you're just in the shower, you're like, I'm coming. And he just got into the shower with me, his shower. Yeah. And he's like, move over. I got to wash my hair. What? And I was like naked. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and all I did, all, and this is, such a true story, and I know he would say this isn't true. What I did, because I was embarrassed, is mm -hmm. I tucked my dick between my legs, and he had never seen that, and he was crying laughing. And he came out. I'm now traumatized with a towel around me, complaining to my mom, who's doing her hair, and my dad just is crying laughing, going, he did, he put, I couldn't find his dick, I'm telling you. Like, Yeah, my dad, my dad, everything my dad, everything I've ever said about my dad, my dad would question all of it and goes you have an active imagination buddy yeah, that's so like funny. to the point point where i go you had a van when i was in first grade he goes i never had a fucking van my sister annie me and him got in a fight <laughs> about picture. it and, he, and my sister annie goes you definitely had a fucking van and he goes what are you guys talking about what are you guys talking about? like maybe you have dementia like <laughs> yeah maybe you're losing it <laughs> yeah i don't my I, father i uh i saw my father naked when we went camping i was in high school and we camped on like this property in pennsylvania and uh, it was like his friend had a cabin and like, but so much land that we like hiked up and camped. And so we were down in this 
uh, pond swimming. We were like, oh, let's just go for a swim. And it had this little dock. And I was like, I don't have a bathing suit. He's like, yeah, who cares? And he took his clothes off. And I was like, is this normal? Like for us to be naked in the pond? And I, I remember I come, I come swimming up and I come out of the water and he's sitting like legs wide open on the dock. And I'm now at like ball level. And I, I don't know what I did, but he, he made eye contact with me and just slowly cupped his balls. Like maybe you're right. Maybe we should go for a hike. There's such a fine line with, with, Oh, get over it and getting molested. Like there's such a, like an uncle going, Oh, come on. Fucking just get naked. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh, now I feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. But like a dad to a, a dad to a son, you know, you're playing sports together. You're doing whatever. It's like, you know, a glance is, you know, that's yeah, a, a dad. A dad should prepare a son to get naked in front of other men because that will be your life. You will right. be getting if I look, maybe True. things are Good changing. Point. My life consisted of being naked around other men. Right. From from 14 until today. Today, I, to, I literally I went. I, I was I, I went. I used to be a member at the Beverly Hills Country Club. It was uh -huh. like. 300 bucks a month. It was actually very affordable. Oh, nice. It was very affordable. It was a great country club. And it was all old Jewish men. Ah. So you'd get invited to a sit at a table and have dinner with like That's great. Old, Jew old Jewish men. And they'd tell the, the best. best stories. The and best. It was like the greatest. It was the And, and so, and uh, adversely, that's all that was really there. And so when they paired me up to have a tennis match, they paired me up with this guy who was a, he, I, could, I wish I could find this guy. His name was Marty. Uh -huh. And his, they called him Marty the Magician because <laughs> he, was a video guy. He was dealt with video and and saving footage and and film oh, processing. Cool. Yeah, and he had saved uh, the the TV show, help him a celebrity get me out of here. He saved that because they ruined all the footage, and he went and recovered all the footage. He recovered, saved right. it. But they paired me with him. He was like probably sixty five years old, uh -huh. seventy years old, and they're like, "You want to play tennis here?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Great." And they gave me a bunch of names. I could play with and everyone was in their fucking 80s and he was like the youngest and I was like yeah I'll play with him <laughs> I played with a couple guys first and then me and him played together I hadn't played in a while and he was pretty good yeah he was like hey man we're evenly paired you want to just play every morning and yeah. I was like yeah me and him played every morning for probably a year wow every morning we played every morning I mean That's I talked great. to this guy about everything yeah it was such a great friendship to have that is cool because he was like he I he would I, I don't hope he's dead but I know that he wouldn't want me to share these conversations. Right. But but I part of me goes he'll never hear this. Yeah. But he but he, candidly and I think anyone that knows him would know this, but uh -huh. he, he was going through a separation with his wife. Uh -huh. And so I'm watching all that and he was talking about like certain goals you'd have as a married couple and and how they when they shift from when you're young to you're older and just like the weirdest things and like he used to ice his knees. I'd never seen anyone ice their knees after tennis. He'd ice his knees. <laughs> and then one day and this is going back to the negative thing. I go into the locker room with him. Yeah. And I'm like, my fucking back and leg are killing me. And he goes, you should get in the whirlpool. I said, I don't have a bathing suit. He goes, for what? <laughs> I said, the whirlpool. He goes, this is an, an old Jewish country club. Do you think anyone's bringing bathing suits to get in a fucking whirlpool? <laughs> I was like, really? He goes, take your fucking clothes off. Get naked. Get in the whirlpool. Get a good whirlpool. Then come out. Put your sweaty clothes on. Drive home. Right. Shower. Put your get. You'll be fine. It's like, okay. I mean, I'm like, I mean, yeah. You're here. You're learning how to live. <laughs> Take off all my clothes. And now I'm like feeling silly that I even was like questioning it. Take off all my clothes, get in the whirlpool. And I'm like, fucking, 
this is what life's about is this is how uh, men were raised. Right. These guys went to war together. Yeah. And now I'm sitting here going, where's my bathing suit? Right. And I'm in the world. I got to hide my, right. Yeah. I got to hide my, my equipment that no one cares. No about. one gives a fuck about. <laughs> Nobody cares. I'm in the whirlpool for like five minutes and all of a sudden three dudes walk in with bathing suits. <laughs> No. Three old men are all wearing bathing suits. And I'm like, fuck, fuck. I'm the one guy in a bathing suit. I was so freaked out. I had to sit in this haunted, this whirlpool for the whole time until they got out. And I was like, please, God, please, God, don't let the bubbles turn off. The whole time. Oh, that's hilarious. Do but, you do that? Do you tell that on stage? No, I no, don't. No, you should. That's, for real? That's, yeah, because you pay, it's, such a, it's such a great picture of you being in that area, like being in that. Like, like you being the young guy and then being humiliated, it's great. I had the opposite one where I went with, you know, Kira, Kira Sultanovich? Of course, yeah. She took me to a Russian bathhouse in in uh, San Francisco. Oh. Like, she loves all the steam rooms. Those are stuff. aggressive. She's, yeah, she's, like, hardcore. Kira, like, has her own steam room. She was sauna. doing a web series where she saunaed with people. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Which you totally should do it if she I ever asks. Love her. to. Oh, it's so great, and she's so funny. I love her so much. So she takes me to the steam room, and it was the opposite, where we were the only ones in bathing suits because we work together. We're like doing yeah, yeah, cops yeah, together, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're like, you know, we're just, we're just friends. It's like we can't be naked in front of each other. This is too weird, and uh, so we're in bathing suits. And everybody else, all these Russian, like hardcore yeah. Russian, are all naked, and I'm. <laughs> and she's just like teasing me because I've never been even in this like environment before. And we're both in the pool. We've been in the steam, and now we're in the pool. And the pool's ice cold. And this six foot eight black guy, the total cliche, like down to his knees, is I don't know what he's doing. He's just <laughs> posing. At the edge of the pool, <laughs> so everyone can see what is the biggest piece you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and uh, Kira just turns to me like, "You're glad you have your suit on now." <laughs> God, Kira's funny as fucking shit. She is a powerhouse. She really is. She's so. I mean, I started touring with her like a year or two ago, and she's one of those people that's just like funny from the minute you get in the car. Like, yeah. And and then on stage, she's just another level of killer. She did her she did her special, she did one of her specials, pregnant, right. and urinated in her pants, <laughs> right? Because she had to go to the bathroom and forgot to go to the bathroom. She was producing everything, and then just pissed in her own pants and was like, "Fuck it, they're black. They'll never know." She's. I think about that. I think about that. It's weird. Someone will tell you one little thing, and uh -huh. you go, "I think about that a lot." Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love her. She's so funny. Yeah, she's the best, man. Yeah. You know what's funny is like. You realize, like, I'm definitely not woke at all, but you realize, like, all the times now mm. that, like, female comics were just put in uncomfortable situations. Oh, my God. Like, working the door at the Boston Comedy Club, I will say, ex-wife. I liked her. I watched her get put in uncomfortable sexual situations. With comics a, with, or with? Uh, just comics. Just comics. Just comics. On a daily fucking basis. She was beautiful. She was gorgeous. She, she still like is model. gorgeous. Yeah. She, I haven't I think seen she her in a long model. time. I think she writes books now. Oh, yeah? I've done a little deep dive. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Because like, uh, I was actually... we. She was a very cool person. Very, very cool. Yeah. Really and, smart. Um, and and I... Uh, by the way, edit her name out. I don't know if she shares her name, but like, whatever. Whatever. Right. I don't know. I yeah. always just... I always get so sensitive about stuff. Yeah, yeah. I realize like I overshare. And we're, I've talked about this a lot. Mm. But then I was like, yeah, but... I'm a storyteller, so like that's I'm telling you a story about 
the thing. Like I yeah. could, if I was like Burr or Rogan or Stanhope, I could take an angle mm. of something. Like let's talk about Gavin Newsom, and right. then I could try to pick that apart. But yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. anything about Gavin Newsom. Right, I know, I know what you mean. There's, um, you know, my wife was a stand-up comic, and for real, yeah, Cynthia Corey in New York, and that's when we met at the comic strip. And she kind of backed off when she we started having kids and stuff. And uh, she was very funny. And, you know, but whenever we talk about as as we're moving forward and 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 women are, you know, doing more and getting more opportunities and stuff. And every once in a while, I'll be like, was it was it that bad? Like when you were coming up, like because, you know, I, I had so many female comic friends and I had so many and she's like. She always like schools me like, no, you have to understand like there wasn't one time you opened for someone where they didn't think, oh, because you're opening for me, you're going to fool around with me and you would wait for it. And then like eventually like you do the show da, 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 and then you think, OK, this one's cool. And then stupid guy makes it some pass yeah. at a certain point. She's like, shit, here we go again. And even like in our era where we were totally cool with female comics but you forget do you remember like the even the audiences oh, yeah. weren't accepting of female comics oh, not even remotely i remember not i mean it's such a weird it's a it's a weird split screen for me because we just had them in our sketch group we would like hang out with, with it wasn't a thing and everyone's scrabbling everyone's scrabbling and trying to like figure out what you're doing but you're really reminded of like how judged they were when they would come up on stage and it, people, audience members would just say out loud, well, women aren't funny. Like it yeah. was the, 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 the work that those people did, like Cynthia and like Wanda Sykes and Kathleen Madigan and like that, that class. Yeah. They really, without seeming like they were really making a statement, they were by just pounding out and being super funny Oh and, yeah, because they didn't just, like we just had to be funny and 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 find our way. They were like at a time where the actual audience had to be educated of yeah. of being accepting of a woman being up there and powerful and telling a story. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Blue Chew. Say it with us, Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections. <laughs> Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew tablets help men achieve harder, stronger erections to combat all forms of ED, that's erectile dysfunction, and they are an online prescription service. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. All you got to do is sign up at BlueChew.com, consult one of their licensed medical professionals, and once you're approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical professionals providers work with you to find you the right ingredient and the right strength for your prescription. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. They prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than pharmacies. So if you could benefit from an extra confidence in the bedroom when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code BIRD at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. 
That's bluechew.com, promo code BERT to receive your first month for free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. If you're having trouble meeting your goals, difficulty with relationships, trouble sleeping, or feeling stressed and depressed, BetterHelp is available. BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can listen and help. All you got to do is fill out a questionnaire to assess your needs, and BetterHelp is going to match you with your own licensed professional therapist who's going to start communicating with you in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. It's secure online professional counseling that has a broad range of expertise, which may not be available in your area. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime, send unlimited messages to your counselor, and you'll get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly or weekly phone or video sessions. Everything you can share is confidential. You don't have to sit in some waiting room. You just deal with your guy. On I love it. I do it, and I love it. I absolutely love it. No traffic, no stress. Just go to your own comfort place, get on the video, start talking. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and BertCast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Bert. That's betterhelp.com slash Bert. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp professional. It's, it honestly is crazy to me that there are men out there that don't think women are funny still to this day. At this point, yeah. Because I'm like, I'm because I actually see the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like, I almost feel like all the women I know that are in stand-up are, are per capita funnier than the majority of men I know. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's definitely like. Did you see Sarah's post the other day? No. Sarah Silverman's post? No. I, by the way, Sarah Silverman is like, you talk about like Wanda or Sarah, those people. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing them and I, and I have to say for real. Yeah. That was the first time a woman had made me laugh because I wasn't listening to them. Oh, interesting. Like all through college, I wasn't being like, right. I wasn't. I was never like hanging out with women that I thought uh -huh. I wanted to talk to. My my mentality was fucked up. Right. I was right. like, I, I want to have sex with them. And so right. I gotta be funny. Right. Why would they be funny? I need to be funny so right. they'll have sex with yeah, me. Yeah, that's my tool. Yeah, that's my tool. I'm, what right. do we have? Two funny people? And then she's never gonna want to fuck me if she's funnier than me. <laughs> right. And I remember seeing Sarah Silverman do stand up and I was like, I was like, whole I remember that was the first woman I saw do stand up. Yeah. And and the joke was, you know, obviously it's a the Sarah joke. The other day I was looking jelly off my boyfriend's cock and I was like <laughs> Oh my God, I'm turning into my mother. And I, she was in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And like, I was crying in the yeah. back going like, yeah. I'm in love with her. I'm in love with her. Oh my God. What was yeah. her post? I'm sorry. So damn funny. She had a great post. You should look it up on Instagram. I'm going to paraphrase it and screw it up a little bit. But it was basically, was talking about, uh, she was talking to like a nice uh white cis male comic and that he was complaining about how hard it is to be a white guy in comedy right now. Like no one wants to hear from you. You know, they want, uh, you know, the, a different gender, a different race or whatever. And she was like, yeah. And I get it. I get you feel that. Like I, I get that, you know, you might think that way, but you know, it's hard to sympathize with it and you're going to have to be great. You're going to have to be, yeah. how about like, you don't get a pass just for being in the game anymore. Like you have to be, no one's complaining about John Mulaney. Nope. Because he's great. Cause he works hard and he's really good at what he does. So 
like the I and that really was a uh I thought such a good point because it's not that funny really funny women will get knocked aside and and not have an opportunity because if you're funny you're funny and yeah. and they do rise up 100% but the part which I never really thought about was but being a dude you can be not as great and still work because you can fake bravado and you can be loud or whatever and you can kind of get through a set just yeah. being you know what i mean but With the women confidence. didn't have yeah right but that you should look it up on, i call should, it the early 2000s <laughs> that's that's all i did yeah fucking just go up on stage chuck a beer rip my shirt off what's up Puerto <laughs> oh man i was so fast and loud when i was starting jesus oh man oh man it's but, it's it's that's a really brilliant isn't it statement because the truth is and 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 it's if you're a young comic you should definitely hear this a young white yeah. male comic mm -hmm. and black male comic i'll just say male yeah. comic but you have all the tools it's like uh it's like ice skating they you go in as a gold medalist almost where they're like oh this guy this guy's not gonna fuck up this is i feel safe here right whereas when, right. when you're a woman you you had to be great to get it recognized the judgment was so it was so much of and my wife talks about it all the time like when you walk up there you can feel they're judging what you're wearing they're judging what you look like they're judging how sexy you are how fat you are what your hair is like men and women oh yeah you know and and then and then you get over that part of it and then you've got to like prove that you're funny before they're listening to you in the set and we all have a degree of that yeah. we all have i mean i would walk into certain you know certain scenarios and be like i know they're judging me for something or for some reason and you have to prove it but nine times out of ten and you didn't have that much of a wall to climb i was talking to sugar about this today he was saying we were talking about a comic who felt like um he was like how come I, how come I, I don't have this how come i don't have that uh-huh and just a dude i mildly talented yeah I would say. I mean, I'm not being like, rude. Okay. And I can be honest because I'm not saying his name. I'll say his name afterwards. Right. Mildly talented with a little bit of a hook, but right. mildly talented. Not overwhelming. Does it rhyme with Mill Burr? <laughs> no, it rhymes with Mabe Mattel. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, and, and Tom was like, and he, and I think at one point he was actually talking about me and Tom was mm -hmm. like, you know what? Well, it's funny because I, I wanted to say to him, you didn't do the work. Oh. Like you never did the work. You just coasted on your hook. You uh -huh. coasted on, like you didn't do the work. And I was like, and I, I always deflect. I'm like, well, I didn't do the work. Like I just, I just, I'm very lucky. And then Tom was like, I wanted to tell him about me, about when, like, you know, when I get ready to do a special, I become a little obsessive compulsive. It's not healthy and it's not good. I have a little bit of a work ethic problem in that and that I, it's, I don't consider it hard work. I just can I just kind of become obsessive compulsive about things. Sure. And so if I'm doing an, um, uh, a, a special, that's my focus. And I, and, and by the way, I also don't consider this hard work. I just go, I say to my agent, I'm very lucky. I go book me from Tuesday to Saturday. Mm -hmm. I'll fly home Sunday. Maybe I'll be home Monday, but if you can get me Sunday, Monday for, for four months out, just yeah. book me. Yeah. And and I obsess about my material and I obsess about the hard work. And I remember when I didn't do that <clears throat> and I just did the road, I just do the road and I party balls off and I'd have an hour, I'd cruise on it, it right. crushed. And I was like, 
I don't need to tighten it. I'm funny as fuck. Right. I'm right. good. Yeah, yeah. And then you do one special, and you're like, oh, I got to do another one. Oh, shit. And then you're like, oh, now I know what this work thing is. Right, right. And I definitely don't fit, think yeah. I fit into the greatness category, but I definitely could fit into the, the part of going, like, I really give a fuck about, I'm not just showing up at the store to get a buzz. Right. Like, I would never, I remember saying to someone who murdered at the store, mm. I remember being like, Jesus Christ, man, is that all new? And they're like, no. It's the main room. I'm not doing new shit in the main room. Mm. And I was like, well, why are you here? Right. Like, what What are you, yeah. like, what, you're, so what, you just say new shit for the OR? Like, I understand. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do a bit to get yourself comfortable in the main room. Sure. Like, I. Yeah, weave them in and out. I followed, I followed your, your, your buddy, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh -huh. And trust me, I was not doing a new, new bit to start off with. <laughs> right. I understood that me taking my shirt off would probably get him to leave the main room. <laughs> right. So I was like, but I want him to be here to work. laughter while the shirt's off. So he goes, okay, whatever it does, it works. Yeah. And then I go, I remember saying to the audience, is he gone? And they're like, he left immediately. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> Guys, I hate this. Jerry's gone. I'm going to do yeah. some new shit. Is that funny how you really just, please just go, just go, yeah, I just don't. leave. <laughs> I respect him so much. Even I, yeah, even, I've, even heard, guys, I've heard people, I've heard got comics talk shit about Jerry where I go, you can't do that. Like, yeah. I remember being around Rogan and he's like, you can't do that. He's Jerry Seinfeld. Someone was saying something. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, you know, talk you about know. work. Another yeah. guy. I mean, and, yeah. there's no mistake. Rogan was like, you can't do that. He's Jerry fucking Seinfeld. Don't ever forget. <laughs> you're not Jerry fucking Seinfeld. Right. He is. And I'm all of us are like that. Yeah. But there is there is like a definite part where I go, like, I would love to see him just have to sit and watch five minutes of me and just go, why is his shirt off? Right. Like, why, why isn't he wearing a suit? Right. <laughs> yeah. But you got to think too, like there is an advantage to walking into a room when it's all people that look like you. Like what, what ultimately becomes yeah. your oh. crowd is so great to play in front of because they start showing up and I'm, you look out and you're like, you see a bunch of you. It's like that for, for years in most of the comedy clubs, as a white guy, you would walk up and that was what was in the crowd most yeah. of the time. And, you know, as it as it changes and evolves and more people come out and you've got to be more than that. You've got to be like, there's no free pass. Like yeah. when you're starting out. Well, like, Louis said, Louis said, they were like, hey, do you ever do the alt rooms? He was like, sometimes, but it's too easy. He was like, it's, they already want to like me. Uh -huh. Like they're, yeah, like I get it. Right. Like they all look like me. They're right. already applauding. He goes, the whole joke, the whole idea is to tell a stranger you don't know right. a joke. Which is the opposite because like if you play the store all the time or the laugh factory and then you go to the alt rooms, that's becomes oh, the challenge. For me, yeah. An alt room's a challenge where I start going, wait, you can't say fat chick anymore? <laughs> <laughs> it works really well with my crowds. <laughs> right. Wait, you oh, there's a fat chick here. You're not cool with it? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, there's that there's definitely but you should look up Sarah's thing because she's she, Sarah does not Sarah does not use words uh, flippantly. Yeah, she's thoughtful, and the way that she phrases it, it just makes you think like. And you'll you'll appreciate it because you'll look at it and you'll be like, she's a hundred percent correct. Yeah, you don't just get a pass. You now are have to be because you'll hear black actors and black comedians say a lot of the times that they have to be even better than they've got to be great to yeah. get the same thing that like a, a, a white guy would have. And that does make sense. Like you kind of have, you get to start the race around the bend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, 
ultimately it'll all kind of met out, but you know, you've, you've got that little bit of an advantage and that for young comics that are starting now, it's more of an equal playing field and everybody's got to be great, which you'll feel good about watching it because you do the work and you love it and work super hard. And I'm using you as an example in my head because I'm talking to myself too. When Sarah said it, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. but I work right, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I think it also, I think also, you know, I think I also, I mean, trust me when I say I am hyper aware of, and and I don't think this was the intent. I Maybe it is or maybe it isn't. Yeah. But I'm hyper aware of the smallest amount of privilege that may show up or or where or where I get certain things that other people don't get like I, like very very candidly and I and I I have a problem talking about too much of this I don't want people to think that I've that I've turned into this like social justice warrior I'm just saying at a certain point life has been so pleasant that during covid as I would drive in my car yeah I would see people on a bus and go yeah fuck man like I'm very very lucky yeah like I'm very lucky and, and I I won't I won't look there's white people on that bus I'm not going to say no it's that right. it's a mixed bus I'm saying that whatever gifts I got given at birth yeah. that I didn't earn yeah. that I just showed up in the game with two steps ahead of people I'm hyper aware of that to a point where it's almost like a like it turns into a little bit of a head fuck, mm. and I'm so hyper aware of certain things, like um, like getting on, going to the dentist. I'd go to the dentist to get a tooth put on. Yeah, and uh, and there was an older lady in the <laughs> to get a tooth put on. Uh, <laughs> it I fucking so popped, funny. I popped it off in the worst <laughs> way possible. Oh no! I last night we're, I had a, <laughs> we opened a bottle of wine, and I was like, Leanne had a cup, a glass, and I had you know three. Yeah, and then I'm like feeling a little bit of a buzz, but not totally there yeah i was like yeah but i don't want to drink anymore i was like but i do need something like i right. need i'm not i'm not I'm rewarded not yet i'm not done i'm not done <laughs> i just got i got devouring on the i got i taken i had my glass right <laughs> yeah. we had a glass with dinner yeah and then i said i'm gonna get on the treadmill so i filled up my big glass and pour emptied the bottle got on the treadmill ran three miles and i was like Jeez. yeah but kill my glass after dinner and a glass after dinner and a glass and that's on the when treadmill. you get on the treadmill oh Jeez. i ran eight and a half miles yesterday holy shit yeah so I get on, I get off the treadmill and I'm like, I'm feeling great. I sweat. I feel like I sweated all the yeah. wine out. Mm -hmm. I want another glass of wine. I go, don't do it. Don't do it. And then I cannot control myself. I go and I open up a Butterfingers <laughs> yeah. and I just oh, murdered a Butterfingers. I have this temporary crown on <gasps> my tooth and I had Butterfingers all around that tooth and I went to water pick it and it just popped off and i was like you fucking asshole so anyway Son i go to put this bitch. tooth on and today there's an older woman and me waiting for the elevator and the door opens and she goes to get in and, I, and this is where my brain is now and i don't know if covid has done this to me it's made me more maybe aware of everything mm, sure because look be very candid. sure if you talk about covid numbers have gone down when the COVID numbers were spiking, they explained how that was happening. Mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah, these multi-generational houses are, are getting it. And they're all getting it. That's why you're seeing these deaths. Yes, yeah, six there, people in a one-bedroom apartment. And and to think that you have the luxury yeah. of quarantining with your family and not having to go into a job because yeah. you need to pay bills. Those are luxuries. Those 100%. are privileges. But this older lady gets in the elevator. And I just go, ma'am, are you comfortable with me getting in the elevator with you? She was like, what are you going to do to me? And I was like, oh, fuck. I think I'm being hyper aware. I was like, well, you're not too out of my... Why did you ask that? Because I, 
I, she's older. She was like probably seventy, uh-huh. and I just bought germ wise. Yeah, germ wise. Oh, germ wise. Like, do you want, right, if, right. if you want to take that elevator up, I'll wait. Right, right, right. But it, exactly, why do I ask that? I'm the one that talks way too much, and you goes. Are you comfortably there and there? She's like, what have you assaulted somebody? And I'm like, no, like, I'm not saying I won't, but right. you're still attractive. Wait, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like, can I tell you, I when did you when did you start comedy? 1993. For real? June 12th, 1993. June 12th, 1993. I started November 3rd, 1990. I was 26. Can you find out how old I was when I was what year it was when I was twenty six, Halston? There's Say nothing that worse again. than having your having a cap come off when you're eating one of your Butter favorite candies, and then your mid bite, you have it still in your mouth, and you got to kind of like go, oh, but I'm gonna spit everything out, and it feels like such a huge hole. It's not; it's like this big. Oh, it breaks but it my feels heart. Feels like a, like you've got a cannonball hole in your mouth. Oh, it was so <laughs> the bad. worst. Um, no, but, but back. I'm sorry if I can just go back to the. Um, I don't want to keep talking about race and gender and stuff. No, either. no, this this is perfect because this leads into my next subject. I'm dying okay. to talk to you about. All right, cool. Uh, I watched um, uh, the problem with Apu. Yeah. The other night, and um, ha- uh, Hari Kanabolu, who's uh, was on my radio show. He did my podcast actually, and uh, with with Kamal Bell, and uh, they were so great. And I'd never seen his documentary, and so I was catching up, and I watched it. And I was, I sat down and I was like, oh, The Simpsons. I grew up on The Simpsons, you know? It's like, is there a problem with Apu? Like, they, they seem like they write him kind of sensitive, but it's a white guy doing it. And and I really was like trying to figure out like where it was. And, and I just came to the conclusion, which I've had before, but when watching it was, if he is telling you, if a human being is telling you <laughs> from his heart and soul, yeah. this is a problem. You may not get it, but you should trust him. Yeah, that's, that's and especially <laughs> an artist, especially an artist whose job is to open your eyes and express themselves, and are brave enough to say, "Hey, I when I was in fifth grade, this was a this was a problem for yeah. me." Uh, just give him, just go with him, accept it, and let him tell his story. And at the end of it, I was spit out like, "Yeah." What are, who who else is voicing what other characters on this show? Like, let's 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 fix it because yeah. they're. It's not about my judgment of it and my th- saying like, oh, what's the problem? This guy's telling you heartfelt. This was weird and this caused. I had to. This was one of the. This turned into insults to me when I was a, a child. That's how you should just live it. La, lunchbox lunchbox experiences. Have you read right. that? No. It's, I, you know, I didn't get. This fucking ice cream truck comes by every fucking day. <laughs> every day at this time, this ice cream truck comes by. And I'm just like, does it, is anyone buying ice cream in COVID? Yeah. I would definitely buy. We had an ice cream guy that used to come by every time. And then it turned out that he was uh, lifting stuff from people's open garages. Oh, what a great cover. Great cover. It's almost brilliant. Yeah, it's pretty good. How much? How many terrifying though. moments do you think he had where he just got out of someone's garage, put it in the back, and they were like, ice cream? He's like, fuck. <laughs> I was just leaving a bomb pop. <laughs> the, uh, um, two things. So the, uh, the first time I ever heard the word cultural appropriation, I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand it. Yeah. I was like, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, why? Like, I get white people shouldn't have dreadlocks, but like, I'm not, I don't really wrap my head around it. Yeah. 
this was um it had to be like probably four years ago i was playing Cobb's comedy club mm -hmm. and there was this uh I, I hate to say black chick because it, it just sounds like it was a person. Like it was just anyone. It was this black chick that works at Cops Comedy Club yeah. that I had fucked around with. Like not hooked up with, but joked around with. We bust balls or whatever. She was great. She worked, uh, she was, the day that, that we had this conversation, she was where the coat check is. Uh -huh. And she was saying something about cultural appropriation. And I go, can we have an honest conversation? She's like, of course. Yeah. I go, what is that? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. And she goes, teach me. I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> she goes you see my hair right now and her hair was like kind of like uh like uh, you know like picked out but like with chunks uh -huh. I, don't, I don't know the right way it's it was uh, it was done uh -huh. right like it was done but it was like chunky uh -huh. like you i don't know the right way to say it yeah and i said yeah she goes i've had this hair my whole life and when i was a kid people made fun of this hair and i had to fight with having this hair with my dark complexion and 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 that's and that was a struggle for me. Yeah. She goes, so when I see a white celebrity just put on my hair uh -huh. and get millions of likes, it makes me angry because I got tormented for this hair. Right. And I went, okay, that was the first step of getting it right. Uh -huh. So then, so then next step. There's and by the way, I, I haven't figured it out. I haven't figured out cultural appropriation yeah. yet. Yeah. I just was like, oh, cool. So <laughs> don't do your hair like black people. Like, like I'm piecing <laughs> right. it together. Okay. I won't. I won't okay. do that. <laughs> no. 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 Over. Like, don't take big swings at hair. So then I was like, okay. <laughs> so then I'm watching David Chang's show on Netflix. Have you seen it? No. I think I'm saying the it's David Chang on Netflix. Nope, not Ronnie Chang. Ronnie Chang's fucking hilarious, by the way. Ronnie Chang is fucking. It's David. Chang, it's almost yeah, certain. Yeah, it's David Chang. David. When did Bird start stand up? Ninety nine. David Chang is an American restaurateur, author, and he owned. He started Mamafuku Restaurant Group. Ah, uh, okay. And so he's like a legit. So David Chang. Yeah. Does a bit with Aziz Ansari. Uh -huh. Now, at the same time that I'm watching this, Kumail Nanjiani gets ripped, right? Ripped and jacked. Oh, yeah. And I, and as a typical comic, as you do, as you will, it doesn't matter what color the guy is, what <laughs> sex they are, we start making fun of them in our head. Uh -huh. so we're like, I liked you better when you were funny, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> By the way, let's put a pin in that. Don't just hold out the statement. Yeah, I got That's you. That's not my whole statement. I got you. So I'm watching this, David Chang. I, I wish I knew the name of his Netflix show. Uh -huh. I'm watching his show, and... He's over at Aziz Ansari's house, and Aziz is making, his mom's making dinner. And Aziz is explaining, they're explaining cultural appropriation with food. Uh -huh. And a lot of chefs have gotten in trouble for it. Because wow. what they do is they'll steal hints of a cultural food, throw it in, and be like, yeah, it's um, it's Bibby Mop. Mm -hmm. And they're like, and then people who are Korean go, hold on one second. Uh -huh. That's not Bibby Mop. I grew up in Bibby Mop. Uh -huh. I had to take Bibby Mop to school in the 80s when people were like, who fucking shit in your lunchbox? <laughs> right. And, and Aziz and David Chang have this conversation about going to school with food that wasn't peanut butter and jellies and bologna sandwiches and right. having white kids make fun of them. Sure. And then how, how it feels now to have their food be hot. Right. When they've been eating it their whole life. Right. It's, it's like, it's the way, it's like, the way you feel like about your favorite band when you're like, no, I liked them when no one knew who they were. Right, and right. Now you're gonna say you like you're not a fan. Yeah, no, I'm a fucking I'm right, fan. Right, right. You don't and get to. Yeah, you don't get to say. So then I'm I'm on two bears one cave. And by the way, very candidly, I'm I'm trying to be as much of an open book as possible. And I don't know what I've always said, but I'm busting balls with Kumail or whatever. Uh -huh. 
and it dawns on me. Cultural appropriation dawns on me. Right. And Harry's movie, which I saw and was like, I didn't really wrap my head around. Right. And I was like, I was like, I guess, but like, didn't, didn't that, wasn't that representation in my head? Right. I see Kumail and I see he's jacked and I go, oh, <laughs> that's representation. That is the opposite of, that is, what did that is, is Kumail showing every young Pakistani yeah. kid. Yeah. You don't have to be the computer programmer. Oh, shit. You don't have to be the Apu right. to be in a movie. Yeah, you're an you, inspiration. You can be the fucking guy that takes his shirt off and everyone's like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're like, fuck. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden, if you're a young Pakistani kid, you look at it and you're like, oh, shit. Right. I can be anything I want to be. <laughs> yeah. And then and then and and adversely you look at Apu and you go, Oh, that was white guys going, we should put an Indian in here. But clearly right. it's not like representation. It's not like right. like he just And I always thought that that Apu was, you know, more thoughtful and looked at their everyone else in the town as being dumb. Yeah. Like he was more thoughtful and more soulful, but when it was when it's dressed up in that other way, you know, you have problems. And the problem the hard part for me always was and I'm sure you bump up against it too, is that the way you grew up and and the way you kind of see the world and your friends and especially being in the arts and being surrounded by every type of everything, yeah. that you I look at life as like this celebration and I love telling people I'm Italian and sharing my stuff and I love that my wife is Lebanese and Polish and let and learning about those cultures and celebrating that stuff and, yeah. and i loved when i was growing up and and rap was like 90s rap was like becoming this I, and just soaking it i just it was such a celebration it was all out of love and then all of a sudden you it was like wait you can't be a part of that or you can't do that and you're like but no but i love you yeah. but i really but i really truly love you and they're like, yeah, but you can't profit off of this. This is ours. Step back. This isn't your thing. It's like, yeah, but I, but I just tell everybody how great you are. <laughs> yeah, that's the difficult thing to 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 be called when you know. And, and I I I don't know Harry. I know Kumail. Uh, I'm fucking fucking. I'm getting old, and every fucking name is Harry. Me, no, uh. Fucking Kamal Bell. Kamal. Kamal. Yeah. I was gonna Kamal and Kamal yeah. stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. I know Kamal fairly well and uh enough to reach out to him. Yeah. It did sometimes sometimes maybe I'll say to, to reclaim your power as he did and say I'm gonna and the, and then all of a sudden when they're saying something about that, you're sitting there watching that movie, and I know this is how I watch that movie. I was yeah. like, first of all. I've never once been intentionally racist. I've never watched The Simpsons and been like, yeah, take that, you fucking dirty. Like, I've never, yeah. I, I watched it going, I love this character. This is a character I grew up with. Right. And and so sometimes when you hear that, you're going like, wait, I'm not a bad guy. Right. Like, I'm just a guy watching Simpsons. I wasn't trying to, yeah. if you told me it was a hate crime, I wouldn't have watched it. <laughs> right. Like, I just was like, I thought it was funny. Like, yeah. And so sometimes. Yeah, I'm laughing you, at him like I'm laughing at the Christian guy, like Flanders. Yeah, it's like, like whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think, yeah, it's but, but, it, but in, and the thing that cuts through the confusion for me is that thing of, no, he's telling you. Yeah. That was when I was sixth grade, this, this made me feel a certain way. And I've carried this so long <laughs> and I've carried it so far that I'm a grown up man as a successful comedian and, and writer I'm and producer. <laughs> and I'm still need to make this point. 
there is true validity to that. So yeah. keep educating yourself and learning about it, but use him as your guide. Let, See, it, let him let him lead the way. I wish I had my hills to die on where I go, like I have my points that I want to share. Yeah. I wish they were shrouded in like, like clearly I think he probably got shit, but he got, just got shit from bad people, mm. you know? What, when making that? Yeah, like I'm certain he got oh, trashed. Oh, sure. Yo, tri Simpsons diehards. Yeah. yeah. And I Especially guess, that age of person that was really into Simpsons. Was oh, like, yeah. And I'm, but I'm certain that at the end of the day, he was like, yeah, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I do. Right. I wish I could just sit like that in life. If you could what? Like just sit like that and go, here are my points. Go fuck yourself. I'm never that guy. Like, yeah, even, even the I'm shit, the same way. Even the shit that I have, yeah. like, are my hills to die on. Yeah. I would still go, well, I, I want to hear your, I like, I could never. You're open take to a, other people's takes. To I, a flaw. To I a know. real flaw. What is that? Because I have the same thing where. I have my true beliefs and, you know, I'm not going to stand for whatever. But then when somebody says something, I, I, you know what? I get it. Now that like we're climbing out of COVID and the roads around LA are getting, are, it's back to the old traffic. It is. It's back to the heinous horribleness taking what normally during COVID was 10 minute ride is now 40 minute ride. And we're, they're all back on the road. Yeah. And my, the same thing with like political point of views, arguments, driving, I always, someone cuts in front of me and like does something heinous. And I'm always like, eh, maybe, maybe his mom just died. I don't know. I mean, we don't know. Maybe he's a uh, hundred years old. I don't know. Uh, you yeah. make excuses for people, right? And you make oh. excuses for people that have bad points of view. You make excuses because you just, you want to, you want to hope that people uh, are, are. Are you ready for this? Are okay. You yeah. ready for this? I'm having a very hard, uh, so like. I have to preface this because this is a very volatile thought process. And I have to preface with, I'm a comic and I'm trying to work my thoughts around a very hot button topic. Oh boy. So Burr introduces me to book. I have this big joke. You shouldn't read books. If you're not the smartest guy in the room. Don't read a book. Book <laughs> introduces a bunch of ideas into a dumb brain that then forces you to repeat them at a party because you just read a book and you're so proud because you never read a book before. So the uh, the I, I, I co coincides with me getting interested in history. Mm -hmm. Coincides with these uh, the Capitol insurrection. Uh -huh. I don't know the right way to say it, but yeah. like they call. I heard them call them. Yeah, yeah. Insurrection is what I'd call it. Yeah, that's what and, everyone. And call then it. I start. Uh, reading, I start listening to this amazing podcast. Probably in my history of podcasts, top five I've ever listened to in my entire life. What's my number four? Uh, yours is number four, Breaking <laughs> Bread with Papa. <laughs> but uh, it's called Revolutions. Uh huh. And I start l listening. Last night, I started listening about the French Revolution. Ooh, cool. And and I, but I've listened to the revolutions that happened all through South South America. Yeah, all, the the revolutions obviously that happened in the United States with yeah. Cromwell and I've, and listened to the Russian Russian revolutions. Oh, wow, I've listened to all these revolutions. That's great, and it's interesting. Yeah, it's got to because especially when you take the Russian Revolution, uh huh. It is, I, I can't help but think, it is a shift. A sliding glass door moment mm. where we don't look at what we just saw and that become our reality. What like where every every revolution, you know, they were the big knock, and I, I don't know everything about everything, so I'm just saying, but the big knock was that 
people were saying that the Capitol guards kind of let these uh-huh. people in, like they, that they weren't. Dave Chappelle said differently that he had guard friends that didn't let them in. Yeah, but from what I've heard, is the the view's been that the Capitol guards were more like, you know, and that and that the people, the cops that have been beating down the riots were more like like the Black Lives Matters were racist, and uh-huh. so all of a sudden you start going like, well, that's what happened with with Czar, Czar Nicholas or Czar Alexander is that the Russian guards were like initially shooting people and mm-hmm. killing them. And then all of a sudden they're like, fuck it, go into the palace, kill them. Right. And it's, we're it's amazing to think that whoever wins writes the history. Right. Had these guys mm-hmm. for whatever reason, maybe caught Nancy Pelosi and, and AOC. I don't even know who AOC really is. Like I'm not don't know much about her, but I know she would not have been safe in that moment. No. Had they caught them and and like what would have happened? Been a hostage it's situation. So or... fascinating to me that throughout history, including American history, people have risen up and fought against what they believe to be tyranny. Right. Which I'm certain if you ask any of these riot these insurrectionists, they would have, they would tell you. What happened was tyranny. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, what's crazy is you got to admit, or you not admit, you got to kind of logically assume that not half the country, but half the country voted for for Trump. So let's just say a Less half of half. that probably look at those insurrectionists as like, they had some good ideas. <laughs> and then you start going, so what if they had one? Like, what the fuck? Like, or, or how about this? Yeah. What if that had happened on the flip side and- Liberal Black Lives Matters stormed the Capitol and took it over during the Trump days. How much of Hollywood be would be like, fuck it, man. Let's 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 have a fucking revolution. Right. Like it's so fascinating to me that it's happened throughout history. Right. And then when we witnessed it, like we we saw it up close. Mm-hmm. We had certain viewpoints that that possibly we would have had had we been in Russia in 1917 or in the 1800s in in South America. And and they had crazy views then, like right. uh, every no matter what a person's color is, they're equal equal in the 1800s in fucking right. South America. But then you're left with whatever group you're left with the idea ideology of the people that were revolting, right? Russia. So so like yeah, so like say in our insurrection, right? If you, if these guys had been more capable and took hostages and did all this thing and and tried to overthrow it, then you're left with people that had Confederate flags running through yeah. the thing and based on a lie, based on the stolen election thing, which Dick Cheney, William Barr, yeah. Mitt Romney, like hardcore Republicans, the Supreme Court, Republican uh, officials in Pennsylvania and in Georgia, all of these Republican, Republican statesmen from the Supreme Court on down through Cheney down to the local councilman in a, a, a county in Georgia, all these Republicans are saying, no, this isn't truth. But We're but, not dealing with truth anymore. But would they? Here's my question. Uh-huh. Because if you go throughout history, there are those people who kind of go with where the wind goes. Sure. So had the country gone to this insurrection, uh-huh. how many of those people would have just flipped? One of the things that flipped me out, flipped me out, was when they took over uh, the Winter Palace or, or whatever in Russia, mm-hmm. and they took over uh, Tsar Nicholas, uh, his 
his palace in Moscow or yeah. St. Petersburg, whatever it was. Right. The first thing they did is started going through papers. Uh-huh. They went through papers. Just like that guy who's like, we got to find something. And I, oh. I find that such a childish fucking behavior yeah. to flip through. What do you think is in there? Like, do you really think you're going to be like, wait, 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 they killed Kennedy. Like, right, yeah. and, but the first thing they did was the same thing our people did. Right. Like there's so many parallels. No, there's I'm, definitely parallels. I mean, and, and also, you know, the first thing that a lot of uh, people do in revolutions is tear, tear down the statues and the monuments and the, and it happens the every time, yeah. every time it happens. Right. And you're right. It's like, so like who determines like which one is right and which one is wrong. And if wrong. you look at you look but at, you, but you do have to vet through truth. But look at Stalin, right? Stalin won. Mm -hmm. He did. And then you have, to, and then, and clearly we look back and go, Stalin was bad for that country. Right. Now, I'm not saying the czar, uh, the, the imperial fam family was the way to go. Uh -huh. But Stalin clearly was ideal. Identical. Yeah, this way is not working. And, and what's interesting is they, anyone that stormed the Capitol is completely believes in socialism's horrible, right? But they did the identical thing that Stalin did. Right. They they just disagree with every one of his political views except for the way he presents them. Right. Like it was, I, I'm 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 so fascinated by it. Uh, yeah. That I that I can I, I listen to. I'm obsessed with Simone Bolivar. Uh huh. And he went from a guy who liberated all of South America uh -huh. to the most hated individual who was like sent to die on Haiti. Oh, die yeah. on Haiti. Like it's, I'm so fascinated by this shit. One. I can get absolutely obsessive about lawn care. Obsessive. I tell you grass has been an obsession of mine. <laughs> Trees have been an obsession of mine. Look, here's the deal. Spring is right around the corner. This is when it, this is when it, it starts for all of us. I know. I know the last thing, Anyone needs another complicated or toxic lawn product. But Sunday isn't just another lawn care product. It's customized lawn plans that work with nature. They take all the guesswork out and all the unwanted chemicals out so you can grow a beautiful lawn that's better for people, pets, and the planet. Grass under my bare feet is a must in this world. I think it's because I grew up in Florida. It makes me happier than anything in the world. I don't like laying in it, but it's walking around barefoot in the lawn. Come on. And who doesn't want a great lawn? Sunday makes taking care of your lawn easier than ever. You just go to sunday.com, put on your home address, and their free lawn analysis tool took care of everything for me. All in seconds. Sunday uses soil and climate data created in a tailored nutrient plan. So you get all the stuff your lawn needs and it and nothing it doesn't, which is crazy because we've had some real lawn problems in the house we're working on. It's been a nightmare. Sunday is made with ingredients that you can actually pronounce like seaweed, iron, and molasses. So you can actually grow and feel better about it. Sunday explains exactly what you get and why. And everything is waiting at your door when you need it. Best of all, this stuff really works. And our grass looks freaking phenomenal. Let Sunday take all the guesswork out of growing a greener grass. More beautiful lawn this spring. You want it? Visit GetSunday.com slash BirdCast to get $20 off your custom lawn plan at checkout. That's $20 off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash BirdCast. National Sleep Month is nearly over, but it's never too late to revitalize your nighttime routine. I was about to say nightmare, your nightmare routine, and get the sleep you need and feel your best every day. I love a great night's sleep. 
And our good friends at CBDMD have the perfect duo, duo of melatonin-infused products to help you rest, recover, and make every month feel like sleep month. CBDMD PM blends sleep-promoting ingredients like melatonin, valerian root, and chamomile with 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And, and I love their bath salts. Dude, I've been working out like crazy. Their bath salts are next level. Their sleep PM bath salts fuse superior CBD and melatonin with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience. I just did it the other day, and we talked about doing it today. After I'm done this, I'm going to pick up Georgia. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pick her up. I'm going to be in the car as Leanne picks her up, and then we're going to have dinner. And then tonight, I'm doing a bath, the CBD MD uh, sleep PM bath salts. To make it easier to relax, regroup, and recharge, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code BIRD at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, and the promo code is BIRD for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. You know what's funny to me is like, and this is the point I wanted to, I've been dying to talk to you about, because I think you're kind of like me and like, and like, like, me and you, I, I could be wrong, but I'm I'll say, me and you love doing Rogan. Yeah, but like, I'm not good if it's like a if it's like a if it if it's like a hot button take on on something that maybe like Rogan's a lot more comfortable with, Burr's a lot more comfortable. With. <laughs> right. I want to talk about like fun shit. <laughs> I want to get, I want to like have a glass of wine, yeah. smoke a cigar, right? Exactly. Talk about fucking like if we want to talk about pelicans and the mi yeah. migration habits of pelicans. <laughs> I'm talking into it. That's funny because whenever I'm on Rogan, we always end up talking about raccoons. Yeah, I, me too. <laughs> I always lead him to raccoons. It's like he knows who his friends are, and he's like, "Listen, I'm not going to talk to Bird about transgendered athletes. He doesn't have a take, and if he does, it's going to be super ignorant, and we're gonna, I'm gonna get in trouble." <laughs> his Twitter feed is going to be messed up for a week. Yeah. It's so funny though, but like when we got into this yeah. business, it's true. It was, it was more guys like us, meaning, yeah. and, I, and I, I, you know better than I do, but like when we started this business, that back table at the cellar or, uh -huh. or on the stoop at the Boston or the side table at, you know, stand at a, at a comic strip. Yeah. It was more like comics busting balls. Politics was net like, I, like I'm curious when. No, I know. When I, did politics get into comedy? And, it became. And then it be, I, I I think that it it happened when news became entertainment. When news became entertainment. When it became something for ratings. When CNN needed ratings. When Fox needed ratings. It went from the news used to be this boring thing. No one cared that it did a two point whatever share, and it just, they just gave you the news, and it was just that's what it was. Yeah. And then it became show busy. And, you know, Jeff Zucker, who, who runs CNN, ran NBC. Like, he gave me, I was in a room with that guy. He gave me my first pilot at NBC. <laughs> like, he a fun guy. And now he's but, running the and news. And he was running the news and CNN. Like, holy shit. Like, this is just entertainment now. Yeah. And we lost the grown-ups. There weren't just guys with, like, jowls. And like who looked like a grandpa, like telling you the news, like Walter Cronkite. It was like pretty people and doing stuff. And all of a sudden, the level of grown up uh, and 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 long thoughtful conversations, it all kind of went away, and it became poppy and what. And so you lost these when in the absence of having real grown ups doing the news. Yeah, John Stewart, Stephen Colbert, these oh, people yeah. became like more credible than the people you were propping up on CNN or Fox. 
There's no difference between Bill O'Reilly so or John funny. Stewart. That's so funny you say that. I got, I was a huge Chris Cuomo fan. Uh -huh. Like I was, like it's, it's odd yeah. to be a fan of someone in the news. <laughs> in the news, like right. I was a fan of his because his, you know, and it's it's you know what it's it showbiz. is. It's just branding. Yeah, his brother's the governor. Right. I'm like fuck yeah. Oh, I know Mario. Yeah. Mario Cuomo's his dad. <laughs> oh, I love this guy. I love this guy. Totally. And then he got COVID, and I saw some negative coverage on him uh -huh. on Fox. Like for the it could just Fox News comes up in my feed. Yeah, all that comes in my feed. Uh -huh. I saw some negative coverage of he was trying to buy a house during the period he was supposed to be quarantined. Right. And, but I'd followed him, walked up the stairs. Yeah. Like I'd followed him, walk up the stairs. And I was like, <laughs> and I was just, I was heartbroken that he had to be away from his family for 14 days. It's and, a drama. Yeah. It's a soap opera a with soap a news opera. guy. And then all of a sudden I'm like, fuck that guy. Like in my head, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, fucking what, what did the, what did the guy call him? That was a, he called it the same as the N word. Uh, uh, cracker. No, 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 no. Uh, Oh, what was, what was, what, oh, I go, fuck Fredo. <laughs> Fredo. He got called Fredo one time. <laughs> right, the Fredo. Dude, the he got into, he, I listen, I would never fight Chris Cuomo, <laughs> but this guy got into his face knowing Chris, Chris Cuomo hits me. I'm getting fucking millions. <laughs> right. No. And it, and it became like all of a sudden. So then when people start looking to comics as the, as the people, the arbiter of the, uh, the, the people. Yeah. Sure. And by the way, I have another bottle in there. We can always I'm just going to need to pee in a minute. Go ahead, yeah, whatever you gotta do. All right. Um, the uh, all of a sudden, politics became. They they started looking to comedians for the truth. They started looking to comedians. This was a group of people who were not bound by anything, who were delivering truthful. John Stewart was like trying to cut through. He was trying to just John Stewart. And so and then all of a sudden, politics became a thing. Oh. Like when I was at the cellar in the beginning. No one talks about politics, really. No one. There was and one Manny, guy, Fred, the Fred, not Fred Durst. Fred, out of San Francisco, there was one guy who talked politics. Yeah. Fred, I wish I could remember his name. Not Fred, It's not Fred Durst. Will Durst. Will Durst. Will Durst. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he was a poli political comic. And then Manny at the Comedy Cellar, the, the owner of the Comedy Cellar, rest in peace, he used to give me newspapers. He used to give me and Greg Giraldo newspapers and beg us to read about this so we could discuss it and have debates the next day. Like, cause that's how no one was talking about politics. Yeah. Like he was like, please just educate yourself so I can have someone to have a political discussion with. And it became like this thing. Now it's become like all of a sudden comedy is like this place where every cultural flashpoint. I mean, look, just even in our conversations, it's like, you know, if we were doing this podcast in the 80s, we were just talking about farts and sex and getting wasted. Yeah. And we can't help but be thoughtful and need to discuss gender and race. And and, and, listen, and listen. I've never listened. Well, yeah. Why would you ever... When I started comedy, you never heard another one's point of view. You had a take, and that was your angle. Mm -hmm. And then you just, you just did it until you won. But this is back to what we were saying before, how, like, you and I, like you're like soaking it up like a sponge. You're yeah. like, I want to hear what Sarah has to say. I oh, want to hear fuck, what yeah. this person has to say. I want to, I like, I, I want to just take it all in and they all kind of make good points. And then you realize when you walk out on stage, when I walk out on stage, I'm not going to take a hard core point of view on the Israeli Palestinian problem. Like, right. I have to pee. Go pee, go pee, go pee. I want to, what did I want to, I want to talk to you about something, but I'll figure it out what it is. While you pee, oh, it's ugly delicious. It's so fucking good. It's so good. 
if we're continuing to record right now, I will take two seconds to talk about how great David Chang is. First of all, I fell in love with him when he said Domino's pizza is legit good. This is a guy who's a chef. And let me tell you something. He's right. Domino's pizza fucking rocks. It does. And I'll also say Papa John's rocks. And I'll tell you right now, I've been watching way too much of uh, Foods That Built America. Uh, I want a Big Mac. I want a Mac. I want a, a, a Whopper with cheese. I want a Snickers bar. I ate, a, I ate two Milky Ways the other night because I found out Milky Way was the first candy bar. It was revolutionary. They were a candy bar that was bigger in size than, than a Hershey's bar, but cheaper to make because it was filled with nougat. And nougat was filled with air. So it was a bigger bar, but it was cheaper to make. So they could make it for less. I was blown away. And they said the re the guy who came up with it was Mars's son. Mars was estranged from his son. By the way, don't let me pivot from this conversation. I'm just sharing <laughs> this since you were gone. Mars, the guy that was a candy maker. His son gets in trouble in Chicago for putting up bill playbills, right, on the walls. Gets arrested. Doesn't know anyone in, in Milwaukee or in Chicago. Calls his dad in Milwaukee. His dad drives down, picks him up. And says, what's going on with your life? And he's like, I'm fucking lost. And he's like, well, I make candy bars. They're having malteds together. <laughs> and he says, uh, he says, you ever think of doing like a malted candy bar? And his dad's like, I don't think that would sell maybe here. And he goes, malted sell everywhere. You should make one. So they made the Milky Way. That was the malted <sighs> candy bar. And he called it the Milky Way. And I, not a big Milky Way guy, but all of a sudden, I'm like, fucking go to the, I'm at the store <laughs> getting my blood pressure medicine. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm getting like 10 Milky Way bars. We're all having Milky Way bars. Milky Way bars are fucking amazing. They're, yeah. they're really like, I always watch Snickers. There's a reason like, they were around for 75 years. They're so good. And yeah. then it ended up ruining their relationship. They really? split up. Yeah. They, they, Cause the son wanted more credit than he, his dad felt he deserved. Oh, and uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting. What was this? This was a podcast. Uh, the, Adam Richmond hit me up and yeah. was like, He's like, hey, I got a new show on History Channel. It's modern. He took over Modern Marvels, uh -huh. and I was like, oh, cool. And then he, um, he was like, I'm also on doing Foods That Build America. He's check it out, and I was like, okay. And I didn't know anything about it, and I'm obsessed with it. Oh, I'm obsessed cool. with it. Yeah, the, the whole battle of Burger King and how, like, you know, it's kind of reading great. a book about shit you already know about a little bit. Yeah, because like they're like Burger King. Yeah, had the first conveyor belt, and I'm like, wait, what about flame broiled? And like, <laughs> it was a broiling conveyor belt and i'm like wait what about flame broiled and then all of a sudden he's like and then they realized that if they added a little flame at the end it gave it that taste of the grill hence the flame boiled rock. and i was like wow. shut up like it really i don't That's know I, I'm, I'm i'm a sucker he's, for history right he's now. the man versus food guy right? adam richmond yeah. yeah yeah he's uh a very fascinating dude yeah like, i've heard complicated stories about him he's well he's a he is <laughs> i think he would admit he has had a complicated past yeah uh but he is fascinating I, ca I called him the other day and i said to tom which is true he can recite any intro read from any uh man versus food he's ever done no i told tom pick a city what tom said columbus ohio and he goes i'm here in columbus ohio ready no. to take on the and he Holy did the whole cow. read beginning to end weird and it's like yeah he's so he's slightly autistic i don't doesn't he doesn't rub me that Asperger? way like hanging out man i don't just you know he's like a, he's like a very regular dude yeah yeah we were drinking one night in like new mexico or arizona or something uh-huh and uh and i and you know we, we we were i don't even know if he was drinking i know i was drinking i was just i was drinking and we were having dinner 
and he said, yeah, do you remember your reads? And I was like, I was like, eh, kind of. Like, I can do a few of them. I'm here in Cedar Point to do the Fearsome Foursome Challenge. And I, I can remember some of them, like yeah, bigger ones. I don't know. But, like, I couldn't do East Texas for you or Florida. Um, you also have hours of comedy in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he said, I can pretty much do any of them. I said, bullshit. He's like, name a man. And I was a big man versus food guy. Yeah. So I named one, and he was like, he just did it. And I was like, <laughs> no. And then I got on the website, and I was like, looking at the shit they did. And I was like, all right. Uh, fucking New Orleans. And he was like, oh, I'm here to tackle the thousand oyster challenge. And <laughs> so you're like, Fuck. weird. That's so weird. Yeah, but some people are like that. They're, they're, they yeah. remember shit like that. And I think that... Hypothetically, we've we've traveled so much and we've done so much with stand up mm -hmm. that all kind of looks alike. Mm -hmm. That I think we have a tendency to allow it to blend in a little more. Right? Yeah, maybe. Like I have I, to say, you breaking up with this wine. I literally, uh, when I called you for my podcast, just to get on the phone, and you were like, "Dude, I was just trying to make the most perfect salmon." Right? Remember? Yeah, and yeah. It was yeah. like, and and I literally, it was like. When I called, it was like this kind of like moment. And I literally, before I came here, was thinking, should I stop and get a bottle of red wine? I should bring, oh. I should bring, it'd be so nice to sit and just drink wine oh. when we do the podcast. And as soon as I walk in, you're uncorking a bottle of red wine. We're or, like in serendipity. Sync with this. Yeah. That's serendipity. And I bought two <laughs> bottles. So I was like, God knows that if I have a couple glasses, <laughs> I, want so one, funny. I want one. I want one. What one time, uh, uh, never mind. I'll, I gotta stop. I gotta, <laughs> there's certain people that don't like you telling stories. Like I go, I'm gonna get the tail. I'm gonna get the the tag party snitch. Where it's like everything I do, <laughs> I tell everyone about. But I go, I don't. I like I. If you don't want to do dirt, don't do dirt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you if you like, what do you mean? Like like if you like, listen. If we're gonna snort coke, I'm not gonna tell anyone about it. Right. But if we're gonna smoke a joint. I may tell people we smoked a joint together. Right, right. Don't try to hide that shit. <laughs> right. Don't do it if you don't want people to know about it. Like, but um, yeah. what was that? What, what I, were we I talking to, about? When I wanted I went to talk to you bathroom. about something right when you were leaving to go to the bathroom. You were saying, um, Chris Cuomo. Um, they became fans CNN. of them. CNN. Uh, the people Way weren't. Bar. People weren't. Um, no, before Milky Way. No, no, no. It was people weren't uh, political comics, and uh, he'd give you a paper. Manny would give you a paper. Oh, when we all became political. There's something else it's, there. It's, I just find it. I'm sure it'll come to me if we get back into it, but it's like. When, can I ask you a question? Sure. Did you watch the Patrice documentary? I did. I love Patrice. Yeah. You know, grew up with all those guys. And uh, when, when, a, when you hear comedians talk about. Uh, someone like Patrice who was just all about the truth and just talking about the truth. Yeah. And that's something that we all aspire to, you know, being truthful and letting it out there. And, and I find you to be very truthful. You like the things that you tell about your family yeah, and it's stuff. Flaw, it's like, it's yeah, like it's all, yeah. it's all out there. Um, do you ever think that, uh, is there a line between, do you think that they're confusing telling the truth and being provocative? Ooh. You know what I mean? Because I would say you're super truthful. You know, you may not put every single thing out there. You have to have some stuff in your life that I've got. A, I've got like a. I've got a handful of stories that I am not allowed to tell. Right. I've got one that's so fucking amazing. Uh huh. Uh, I've got. I've got. Uh, I've got a handful. I had one that was so amazing 
when it happened, mm-hmm. Isla said to me, you can't tell this on stage. Right. And I went, God damn it. Uh-huh. I was like, you can really sniff out the good ones. <laughs> right. Well, tell me. Look, because, is- because there's like that thing where, and I think, I think it's beyond the truth, just the truthfulness with Patrice. Like he was so. I'm Googling what provocative He means. was so great to, to, it means like Causing poking. an annoyance or angering or strong reaction, especially deliberately. Trying to get a strong reaction deliberately. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because there's like, there's, you know, if you know, like there's that part in the documentary where he tells women that men are just better. He's like, we're yeah. just better. Yeah. We're just better. And he just kind of like holds it. And he's like, that's provocative. Yep. Right. That's provocative. He may believe that. He may not believe that. But I, I feel like, I feel like when we discuss great comedians, and like I, I do believe that Patrice is one of the great ones. But I think yeah. the truth is only a part of it. I think it's the total package. It's his humanity. You see his love and his frailty. You see his confidence. Like it's there's a total package. Well, to, I think you. Know, I think what is, now I, I wouldn't say anything's missing from that. I think it's a great documentary. But what is super complex about Patrice in, in talking about Patrice? just by himself mm-hmm. is that he was a brilliant mind i mean the way his mind worked was so fucking brilliant yeah but he also was a, a pretty broken dude also like he was just right. he was just as as like and and you know it's it's maybe not shared enough but like a lot of his takes yeah were where i think he was maybe trying to get to a bit mm-hmm. like his great bits were were that provocativeness where where it would challenge you but then it was met by brilliance. Right. Some of his takes were just like, clearly, this, this sounds horrible to say, but clearly has an issue with women. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and I, and I, know, right. I, I obviously, I, you know, I, I knew him, I knew him very well. Yeah. Very, like, I, I knew him much better than I know uh, K- uh, Kamal Bell. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I, wa- I witnessed him melt down on stage. He was also just like, that's the part of it that's missing is like, he's also just a human who like you know you take someone like Patrice put him on a pedestal as young comics do who didn't maybe know him right and forget he could be really mean and nasty because he was in a bad mood not because he was like trying to be brilliant in those moments no. and so, and sometimes he like I I witnessed him say very like intensely mean stuff to people mm-hmm. when I didn't think he needed to do it personally and I would say that that part his lashing out yeah came from a fear and insecurity that he had about himself. Yeah. And I think that that made him greater than his search for the truth, quote unquote, search for the truth. We saw when you see Pryor, the reason that Pryor is great is that you see how frail he is. You see this little child in this grown man trying to like tackle these issues. And I think that that was the great part of Patrice. I don't think it's necessarily him just trying to find, I think he was I'm kind of finding it because I just watched it. I, I think it was him being, trying to be the truest version of himself, which was oh. the insecure and the lashing out and the if. and and the mean part and the childish part and the playful part. Like that was the brilliance. It wasn't so much the material. See, what here's what happens. I, I hope I don't anger people by saying this. Sometimes comedy fans aren't necessarily comedy fans. They're just broken dudes who haven't fallen in love, and they they draw they're drawn to comedy. They're drawn to voices. Mm-hmm. They're drawn to um, to like. And I hate to use. Hey Andrew, will you open that other bottle of wine? 
I hate to use like my friends as examples, but it would make it clearer, but I won't. Uh-huh. But, like they're drawn to certain comics that maybe have a misogynistic, somewhat racist, somewhat um, mm-hmm. sexist, somewhat, I'm not going to stop saying these words type attitude. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about who everyone thinks, like, I'm not, I'm not trying right. to be bland, but sometimes comedy fans are just like these outlier individuals, often that are dudes, often that are whites, and not always. I've seen, so the other day I saw a black dude who didn't get comedy, but thought he was an expert in comedy mm-hmm. because he's a quote-unquote Bill Burr fan. No, no, no. Or maybe the shit that you're drawing, like, maybe you don't like the good stuff about Bill. Like, maybe there's stuff you're missing. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes people were massive fans of Patrice sometimes, and I'll use like ONA fans. Like ONA fans are a perfect example. I should have started with that. Yeah. There were a group of ONA fans that weren't comedy fans. They were just bad people. They, they were, were actually really bad people. They were laughing for the reasons, the, the wrong reasons. They wanted to see someone in a wheelchair fall down a flight of stairs. Right. That's what they wanted. They wanted to hear something uh, like a racist comment. They wanted to hear someone be racist. Without someone, hearing the irony in whatever yeah, without, the guys they just, were trying yeah, to just say. Say the N-word. Say the N-word. Yeah. And but look, by the way, for the record, I was an ONA fan. I yeah. was like, I loved ONA. Yeah, I loved it. But there the were times, and there were times, there, there was the nuance of Patrice and Louis arguing on the etymology of hate words is very different than someone saying the N word. Like when they, you remember that bit they did? No, there was, there, when you, when you, when you become that big, when you're, when you are provocative as a radio show and you become that big, you're not everybody is in it for the same reasons. There's definitely, but those are the do- ride or dies, is those, right? Those that's really a good point. Like, like and I, I look. I'm well aware. I'm on a podcast with two very, uh, fucking edgy comics, mm. Bill and Tom, mm-hmm. and that they they draw. I draw. I draw some of them too. I'm certain there are people. That I know for a fact I have fans that are single. I don't say mean to say single white dudes to like alienate that, but like, I understand. I've been on O and I've done. I done my buddy Cowhead show. I've done Elliot in the morning. I've done radio shows enough. Preston and Steve. Where you where you will find those dudes that are a tab of broken, haven't met love yet, and are angry at the world, and whatever you are, if you stay up and drink all night, then that's you're their guy, or or if you say the fucking edgy thing against like, and and they don't need it to be intelligent edgy. Now I, I'm I'm not saying this perfectly because I'm a little buzzed, but the thing that people miss about Patrice is like people connected with him on from O and A on him being misogynist or, uh-huh. or this is what's what is wrong with women men are yeah. better than women the thing that was brilliant about patrice without a doubt were the things he'd share where his vulnerabilities would come in mm-hmm. and then you'd realize as an audience member right this is one of the most brilliant dudes i've ever seen like like very simple i don't litter like that is a what sensitive a dude. Joke. that's a sensitive dude i'm afraid i'm gonna throw the can over the thing rolling a dead white so now Pepsi, he's called a rapist and i i get receipts and you re- and then i remember one time and I don't know if this is a bit or if it's something you share with me, but it, we were we were getting off a subway in mm-hmm. New York, and these girls walked off quickly. Now, by the way, I'm not <laughs> I'm, now I'm 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 kind of buzzed, so I'm thinking I wonder <laughs> if he just told this to me. But 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 he got these girls got off quickly, yeah, because they saw him, uh-huh. and, and I was shocked, right? And he looked at me and he went, "No, that's my whole life." Right. I said, what do you mean? These two white girls got off him. And he goes, I, sh-, he goes, I don't blame him. Yeah. He's like, look at me. I'm six, six, yeah. three, 400 pounds, 350 pounds. Yeah. I got broken teeth. I should just, I remember going, I should just be like, run, bitch. Be safe. I want you to live. Like, but it was like those vulnerabilities. He had a story about, yeah. And when a, he talks, I'm sorry, when he talks about 
when he passes a girl like that and that he's just as afraid of them yeah. because of the power that they have. That was a great Those moment. vulnerabilities. Yeah. He told me a story in Scotland about the cool guy in his neighborhood, Tony. Uh-huh. And he was like, he goes, Tony would go up behind a girl and tap her on the back of the neck. And she'd go, oh, Tony. Did you ever hear him do this bit? <laughs> no. I don't even know if it was a bit or if yeah. something he told me. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting at this table. We're eating breakfast. We had breakfast every morning in Scotland together. Yeah. And he's telling me, he's like, she goes, go up and smack a bitch on the back of the neck and go. And she go, oh, Tony. <laughs> and he goes, here I am going, oh, all right. You got to hit a bitch. Okay. Because <laughs> I want the girls to like me. So I go, I go up. And as I rear back, I go, I don't, I don't think I was paying attention to how hard Tony was hitting him. <laughs> and I knocked the bitch to the ground. I was like, <laughs> and I'm crying laughing going, we've all been there. We've yeah. all seen the cool guy tried to emulate it and fuck it up. Right. Patrice is giving that perspective from a guy who's six five <laughs> yeah. and and uncomfortable in his body and just got this big right and he's like and then tony take a girl put her in front of a, a fire hydrant spray her a little bit with the water oh tony i'm like all right you gotta drown a bitch so i put her in a full nelson <laughs> take that water whore <laughs> i mean and i'm crying laughing yeah those are what was brilliant about him and i think when you yeah. talk about provocative there are it's... dudes i wouldn't say so much now mm. meaning like like I, I, I maybe not. I don't know. But yeah. the, the difference between saying something that it's almost like the difference between like cheer comedy, right, versus laughs, right, right, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because there's definitely those guys. I remember watching guys who were trying the anger route, yeah. starting in New York, and it was like, okay, for the first round, like they had some stuff that to really be angry about, and then it got kind of like they ran out of real issues and they started like getting angry about garbage left on the street or or like <laughs> a payphone or like something stupid it was like you built up this kind of character rather than being real yeah and and that's why i that's why i was really kind of started off this conversation asking like what you think about the truth part of it because for me to like they kept hammering that home and i think that the thing that made patrice great was the stuff you were saying. It was the total package of all that total stuff. Total package. And, and that he, was his, the thing that made him special. It wasn't so much the, because like you, we all are working towards that. You're all, you're all trying, I mean, as in not just comedy, any kind of artist is trying to be as honest as they possibly can. Here's not, here's where I, I'm having a hard time drawing the line. Yeah. Is like, where, where's the, uh, where do you, at what point do you say, yeah, that's honest, but maybe it's not useful. Like, mm -hmm. um, like, like I could have a hot take on Jimmy Fallon. Mm -hmm. I, could, I mean, I, I could theoretically yeah. find a a mean seed to pick on Jimmy Fallon. Sure. Versus, like, does it really bother me? Or am I looking mm -hmm. for like bits? Am I looking for like a like? What do people find the establishment to be? Like, like I, I got I'm like. Yeah, that's a good there's, point. It's sir, it. it and I'll and I'll tell you my like my mind numbingness of it is like, is like, I, by the way I don't mean this Jimmy Fallon if you're listening I don't mean like I'm just saying like yeah this is the difference yeah is like of what other people are saying or or, or what or what I sometimes watch is I go it's interesting to me I don't mean this disrespectfully but it's interesting to me I'm not saying Jimmy Fallon hasn't worked for everything he's earned mm -hmm. but I, can, I don't feel like he's worked the way I worked right right like I I kind of had to like I feel like I feel like he's a guy that's had a 
maybe different opportunities. So there, there, there would be my angle. Mm. Let me tell this guy about this. And then I, and then I go, well, hold on, Bert. Yeah. Who doesn't think that about you? So then you go, okay, uh -huh. well, where's your self-awareness of it? Where you say, where you say, sure. I could light up Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. There'd be a lot of edgy people that would be like, yeah, I don't watch the show either. Yeah. Or I could go, Hey man, he's doing the best he can. Like why, why like when, at what point do you start like, being so provocative where you have to question yourself and go, hold on, is this... Do is I this, really believe this? Do I believe this? <laughs> yeah. Is this that like, important to me? <laughs> yeah, like, is this my hill to die on? Because I can be yeah. honest with you, man. Jimmy Fallon does a potato sack race or the thing with Tracy Moore. Like, he's made me laugh a lot. Yeah. But if you if you want to take an angle, you could. Right. Like, I've done it. I've done it so much. And this is why I say this. And it's a great point. Is I've done it so much with people I like where I didn't even know I was doing it, uh -huh. but you just have a hot take and then people jump on you and they're like, <laughs> right. they're like, yeah, yeah, fuck that person. And then you're like, I actually like that person. Like, <laughs> right. I was just trying to be funny. But it is kind of, there. you can see the allure to it because if you go after somebody who everyone's going after, it's like you're part of the mob, you're part of the thing. People are starting to listen to you. Like there is that, there is that part of the culture that loves the, the raising up and the tearing down and all that kind of Dude, stuff. I, I said to I said to someone the other day on the phone. I said, "We're not getting rid of cancel culture until everyone admits they love it, right? Because everyone loves it. <laughs> right. It's a dopamine rush. Uh -huh. Like, <laughs> I, like today, I had fucking nine people be the first one to text me. Tiger Woods got in a car accident. Right. I was like, that's the same as my my fucking Rolfer, who I barely speak to, texted me the day Kobe Bryant died to be the first one to text me. I was like. I don't what what is that that thing of what like, is that dopamine rush of you going I was the first I, I told you yeah 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 we all shop online I do it aggressively I don't know if it's because I'm home so much man I've been buying shit like crazy and I've always seen that promo code taunt us at checkout thanks to honey though manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes then applies them Applies the best ones they find to your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. Imagine you're shopping online on your favorite site, right? Maybe looking for tomahawks. No, that's probably a bad example. That's what I'm looking for a lot lately is tomahawks. Anyway, you go to checkout. The Honey button drops down, and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Wait a few seconds, and as Honey searches for all the coupons it can find for that site, right? It then finds the working coupons. You'll watch that price drop. I mean, I'm talking drop. I, I, I for me, clothing, anything tech, freaking pizza for Christ's sake. You save like $15 on a pair of headsets. Honey's found it's over 17 million members, over 2 billion. You heard that right. $2 billion in savings. If you don't already have honey, you can straight up be missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a matter of seconds. And by getting it, you're doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. I'll never recommend something I don't use. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Burkast. That's joinhoney.com slash Burkast. Are you a gig worker or self-employed like me, Bill Burr, Tom Segura, Joe Rogan? All of us are self-employed. And we're all gig workers, by the way. It's kind of crazy how creative we've had to be this year and how flexible we've had to be. Womply has helped over 100,000 small businesses get PPP stimulus loans. 
up to 41.1 million. I, I got to really wrap my head around that. 41.1 million self-employed workers can qualify for up to 41,666 in 100% forgivable loans. Wrap your head around that. Funds are limited, so apply for free today at Wompley.com slash BirdCast. See if you qualify for a PPP loan. Why wouldn't you? That's $41,660 in 100% forgivable loans. Go to Wompley.com slash BirdCast. There's the, the, I don't know if you saw the video of the, the Omaha, uh, oh, oh, Oklahoma University football player getting punched. Uh-uh. It's fucking <laughs> fascinating. It's fascinating to watch the whittling of it, like uh -huh. how everyone, like the, what, you know, in the, the plinko of it, of how, yeah. how the ball drops where uh -huh. everyone lands. Oh, uh, yeah. It's just I'll, I'll be very, I'll, I'll explain it as best I can. Ohio State football players in a bathroom. You don't really know what happens. The camera starts late. That is the number one lesson you need to learn uh -huh. is start your camera immediately. <laughs> if you feel a confrontation, get your camera out uh -huh. and record everything. <laughs> so that Because once you know it's recording, you're going to be the kind, kindest human being uh, alive. Right. If you're the, if you you get caught in a recording, you're like fucking. I can record you too. You've already you're already lost. Yeah. He's in a bathroom with his buddy. His buddy, I, I don't know if his buddy's a football player, but his buddy's a big guy. The guy's a big guy. Yeah. And uh, all you see is them in the face of two smaller guys. Mm -hmm. What they don't know is these guys are mixed martial artists, uh -huh. but they're football players. Uh huh. And I say the guy that got punched. Uh, I'll say he wasn't. They were saying he's de-escalating. I, I technically didn't see that entirely. Yeah. But I know that I'm a man, and I know what I my de-escalation looks like. Uh -huh. And I know at times I've been a tad bit, you know, hey, man, why don't you guys get the fuck out of here? That's my de-escalating. I'm sorry. I've lost the, the context. So he's in the bathroom. He's in the bathroom. One guy by himself. Two guys. Two oh, big guys. Two, two big guys. guys. And then two smaller guys. And then two smaller guys come in? No, nope. nope. They're, they're all there. just in there. Camera's already started. Okay. okay. You're in the middle of the scene. Gotcha. And action. Action. Okay. So the... The smaller guy, uh -huh. you don't know this, but if you got to pay attention, has blood on his face. So someone clearly has assaulted the smaller guy. Okay. He's got blood on his face. Yeah. The guy that gets punched is getting in his face, and he's uh, he's kind of saying, you know, this is over. You guys need to leave or whatever. Mm. The smaller guy with blood on his face looks to his friend, and as he does that, the guy that gets beat up, his friend kind of pushes the smaller guy. The smaller guy thinks the guy he's about to beat up okay. is the one who pushed him. And he proceeds to beat the living fuck out of the guy. Oh. Mixed martial artist versus big guy. Doesn't matter. They're always, I mean, they they beat the fuck out of these two guys pretty aggressively. Guy almost lost his eye. Jeez. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. And and to everyone's take uh -huh. was this football player's a douche. This is what you get. Fucking big guy, big guy bullies. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. You never mix with mixed martial artists. And they light this guy up. Uh, My thoughtful take was, yeah. and maybe and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I was like, we are all that football player. Uh -huh. Like every one of us, none of us. Yeah, It's amazing that everyone assumed they too were a mixed martial artist. Mm -hmm. As opposed to just the guy talking to someone smaller than him which we've all been in that situation. Yeah. Anytime you talk to someone smaller than you, you're like, easy, let's calm down. Okay, buddy. Yeah. There's a little bit of confidence. We've all been that person. And by the way, the vast majority of these comments, none of those people know how to fight. 
Right. <laughs> As I'm reading comments, I'm like, you don't know how to fight. You don't know how to fight. But we all was it just the little guy versus the big guy. Thing? Little versus, guy versus big guy. Everyone picks little guy. Right. Sure. And it's like, that's what you get. As opposed to realizing, yeah, we've all been the big guy once. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you immediately empathize with the guy that lost? Right. Like, I so much am, <laughs> I will never be the guy that wins a fight. Yeah. I will always be the guy with a broken orbital on the ground going what the fuck <laughs> right, happened right <laughs> and i can't excuse my behavior of yeah. like hey shut the fuck up get the fuck out of here yeah i can't excuse any of that yeah but like it's so quick to see like the way that culture just kind of like i know yeah i know it's it's like this crazy sport it's a sport yeah. and this is why your comedy's great is because that reaction that everyone's having that you're describing is knee-jerk in the moment gone tomorrow reactions you're parsing it out and being thoughtful and taking the time to think about it. That's 10 year point of view. That's, that's why you're like, I'd much rather there are, there's, there's some comedians that are great at doing political stuff and great. We need them. And there's like five of them. And then there's a bunch in the middle that are all just jumping on the bandwagon and yeah. going to whatever. I don't need them. And then there's people like yourself that tell stories about their life and things that are deeper and longer, that stuff is going to last for oh, 20 years. I fucking hope so. No, for real. Like that, for me, and this is just, you know, this is just being the stuff that you like. Yeah. I like those stories. I like timeless stories. I don't like the the mob jumping on and going after and this it, fake rage yeah. and that kind of a thing. And, and I think you're right. I think the I think something that happened with within us doing podcasts is, to get the likes, to get the retweets, to get the viral moment. Mm -hmm. And it's like something happens and you real quick need that hot provocative take. Right. And back to what we were talking about, like the ONA days and, and all that kind of stuff. It was like, it was intoxicating to know that if you just said certain things a certain way, you could have that crowd. You could have a massive crowd of people you may not want to see on the street. Burr, Burr actually <laughs> said, Burr actually said, they went to do one of the shows and they were and he saw fans getting ready to go see a show and they were throwing a football and he goes, I don't want anyone throwing a football before my show. I saw Bill at the airport in Cleveland after that was the one after Philly. Yeah. And I ran into Billy. He was sitting Sunday morning, sunglasses on, oh, shaking his up. head like realizing I might have like the people that turned up because of all of his controversy it was intoxicating of course because it was big and it was a big moment but i remember him thinking literally thinking early morning sunday on the flight home like i don't know if this is the lane i want to go down oh no yeah he i talked to me about that he was like all of a sudden i'm gonna be the heckle comic right i remember seeing jamie kennedy do that heckle movie uh-huh and i remember being at aspen and i raised my hand in the back and he was like yeah and i said are you worried that like people are going to come to your shows and just want to heckle you? Mm -hmm. And I remember him on stage going, I never thought about that. <laughs> right. like, I think that could be problematic. <laughs> that was Attell when Attell did his, uh, I was with Attell his show. I was with Attell when Attell was doing, um, insomniac. I was insomniac and great show. So good. Yeah. Fit him to a T. But then what happens is, Fucking people running up on stage and ripping their tops off and wanting to do a shot with them and showing and up was, hammered. Oh, hammered. Hammered. And he wants to, and he's one of our greatest comedians of all time. Yeah. So well written, so great, so brilliant. 
and now it's a keg party every time he steps up on stage. Can I tell you, I want to do a, a documentary about a tell like he's dead, but have him be alive. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I'm like, I, Why? I, what, what brought that? Because I just, I, I, everyone's got so many great to tell stories. Yeah. But people talk differently about when someone, when someone's dead. That's so funny. I want people to talk about him when he's alive, knowing he's going to hear it. Oh, uh, like, great. It's take. amazing, like. Norton's Norton's comment in the Patrice documentary is my favorite. Patrice lived his life like there was going to be a movie about his life, and he wanted to make sure his friends didn't talk shit about his reactions. Yeah. And because it's so true, is it that, is true. Is that like oh, there's God. a small group of people that actually really knew that guy, mm -hmm. and there are times that all of us feel disingenuous a little bit when you're like celebrating. You're like. I also want people to know that, like, yeah, he could be very mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, he could be very hurtful. Yeah, I know. It, it's funny because, like, Bobby saying, like, well, we're all going to act like he's so nice and he, like, screw yeah. that. <laughs> that was great. And there were other people that said, like, he was mean. But what they could have done, and this is, I think it was a great work. But yeah. I think what you could have done is gone through a bunch of comedians that weren't a part of his circle who oh, just got tagged by put him. Put Eddie Ift in that movie once. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> because fucking Eddie got yeah. brutal. You know, as bad as Sarah might have had it or fucking, or, or any female comic, Eddie yeah. Ift had it worse than any female comic ever had it. Ever. I, there should be a documentary on Eddie Ift going, what the, f like, what did I do? Because by the way, I was friends with Eddie at the time. We go and drink. And I always thought he was dialed in. I always yeah. thought like he had passed at every club and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, he's got it figured out. And then he'd roll into the cellar and fucking hammered. It was almost like that scene in American Me where they lean the guy over the fucking rice bags. You're like, Jesus Christ, Eddie. What did you do to these guys? It's so true. Where is Eddie now? He lives in Malibu. He does. Yeah, two kids. Oh, nice. Yeah, really happy. He had that bus thing he was doing for he a while. He was doing the Dingle bus. Yeah. Uh, doing a podcast out of that. He yeah. parked it at the Improv. That was cool. Yeah, Dude, Eddie is... He's a nice Eddie guy. Eddie has been a guy that's been licking the flame his entire career. Yeah. Like, him and Jim Jim uh, Jim Jeffries start a podcast uh -huh. uh, before anyone starts podcasts. Wow. Like, I mean, they're like third podcast out. Wow. No joke. Yeah. And Jim gets a... TV show or a movie or yeah. something, and then all of a sudden they just split up. Wow! And you're like, "Wow, oh, fuck, <laughs> that's too bad." Yeah, yeah. They, uh, Eddie, I've always been. And he did with well that. in in uh, Australia for a while too. So I think he's probably. I don't think anyone does well now, but yeah, uh, Australia's got like zero cases. I know. I was watching the Australian Open just to watch. Like, I don't really watch tennis, but I just wanted to watch like people acting people normal. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the when do you do, do you know when you're going back on the road? at all uh yeah april 17th i'm going to omaha nebraska that'll be great yeah it's like Colleen? A, uh the waiting room waiting room what's yeah, that it's like a rock club kind oh, of place nice. yeah and um it's like slowly like little places like that through uh the summer and then the fall is like back into theaters but uh i just have to go like i was i was going out once a month from like may last yeah. year I would go like I did Wise Guys, I did Comedy Works, I did Hilarities. Yeah, all the ones that were doing it right. They were doing it right, and you knew them. Like <laughs> yeah. you could trust the owners. You know what I mean? Those were good phone calls. I you get a call from Nikki Glazer, go, "Hey, how's Wise Guys?" And you're like, "Yeah, do it right." Right, exactly. And then there were some places that I didn't know, and I <laughs> ended up canceling when the numbers weren't right. I wouldn't go against what the city was doing, recommending. Yeah. But I feel like things are definitely people know that we're coming to some kind of. We're coming out of this in some degree. And I, I feel like, uh, which is matching up with my 
starting to lose my mind and needing to go out and, and do it. The, but the real, you know, it's like going on the road is great and I can't wait for it, but I really miss the weekday spots, the weekday oh, yeah, I miss rolling up to the store. the store and the improv and like, who's it going to be at the store? Like me and you, you right? It. That's, that's, and then literally, Tom is Tom moving or is Tom? Tom's moving. He's moving. Yes, it'll be us, which is pretty great. I cannot wait. <laughs> I can't wait to become the greatest comic in America. I know it's amazing. I mean, really. I mean, uh, by the way, I can't wait to because we're still doing two bears one cave, so I'll be in Austin for one week a year. Uh huh. And so I'll one be week a year. No, I'm sorry, one week a month. God, oh, one, man, one week a month. Yeah, one week a month. Wow. To do two bears one cave, we got to do you know four episodes a month right so i'll just go there right move into tom's house i'm getting a room in tom's house are you really i'm i definitely am i'm he's buying a get his house the house that he bought has a guest house and uh -huh. i was like do you want me to furnish it because <laughs> that's for me and then if your mom wants to stay there she can but i want to be comfortable i want my posters i'll be there the i'll be there once a month every month for i'm going to be there tw in austin 12 times so i'm like kind of like wow excited to go like see the rooms they're hitting and go fucking hop in a fucking truck with joe tom and and whoever else is in town and just go do spots every night that you're in town yeah that's pretty great but i don't hate on where we are oh i mean it's still la i mean i, I understand I, it but to go do the improv and comedy magic and go to the ice house and yeah. you know what i mean like i it's love gonna, it here it's gonna be a great it's going to be a great, for, I think it's going to be great for all comics. Meaning yeah. I think the spreading out of comedy sure, and and the spreading out of great comics, like yeah. the, the great comics are leaving and going everywhere. Right. From New York to Miami, Nashville. to Nashville, to Texas, to like, I think Ari's yeah. in, in Cuba, but like, I don't know what club. Is that is. where who, Ari is? Who fucking knows where Ari is? <laughs> I just saw, I'm like, where's Ari? And then I, I saw him on Cuba. Instagram, like doing like, uh kung fu moves against guys with pistols <laughs> but i think i think it's good for comedy because i think yeah. it'll i think all of a sudden you'll have like a super hot scene out of nashville mm -hmm. like nashville's gonna blow the fuck up yeah and austin's gonna i mean there's gonna be really great comedy everywhere and then, yeah. then when you go to places like miami yeah you can roll in on a tuesday do spots all week and then go into your theater. That's a, show. I, that's what I really miss is just the the night, just the roll in and trying what, stuff out. What jokes have you written lately? What are, what premises have you written lately? Oh God! And I'll I'll go through mine. All right, let me see what I got. These are hasn't been that many. Um, I saw a guy that lives in my neighborhood. By the way, this is very specific. His license plate. He had a vanity license plate. It said U N S T B L E, and I said unstable. And my wife's like, I think it's unstoppable. And I was like, <laughs> it's unstable. <laughs> Who fucking puts it's that on their license plate? Right. Let's be serious. Um, I um, wrote, let's hope cancel culture doesn't dig too deep into the barnyard builders. <laughs> These Civil War reenactors. <laughs> like, you look at those guys that have the beers. They're like, oh, hell, Paul. I know. Ain't nothing to dig a hole. You're like, I'm sure he's had some savory words over a few cocktails. <laughs> right. I really think that the, that the decline of the Civil Civil War reenactments. Everyone's shitting on those guys. It's like we needed those guys. We needed those guys to go camp and get that shit out of their yes, system. Yes, yes. <laughs> so what was the joke I wrote about? I go, uh, don't judge a book by its cover unless that person's never read a book. Then you can definitely. <laughs> oh, um, I have. Uh, 
some people get into dog training because they're good with dogs. Some do it because they're bad at everything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready for my hot, provocative take? Women shouldn't own rescue dogs. <laughs> After a fucking few bad experiences at a, at a dog park yeah. with women who had pit bulls, I was like, you guys don't get dogs. How do you like that? No one gets fucking dogs. <laughs> Only dudes with collars on with spikes on it. Uh, dad's yelling out, Dad's yelling out about a stock price is him yelling to his wife. We're still alive. We're doing okay. And it's because of me. <laughs> what did Mark, Mark Norman said? You guys are look, you guys all look like people that work at GameStop that didn't invest in GameStop. <laughs> oh, um, the next big thing we need to cancel is happy redneck phrases. Wait, hold on. Uh, maybe I should read this before I start reading it. Um, yeah, these are all pretty bad. S'mores aren't even that good. <laughs> uh, by the way, s'mores are not that good, except for the s'mores at the W on Hollywood. Yeah. The s'mores, so what they do is they make mm. a, they make a chocolate Grenache, right? Yeah. With a toasted, they, so they get their marshmallows the size of the thing. Oh, nice. And then they toast them gently. And then their graham cracker is homemade, almost like a pie crust. So it crumbles. It doesn't crack oh, in your mouth. That's perfect. It crumbles in your mouth. See, when you're saying that, I realize the reason I don't like s'mores is because I've been eating s'mores made by an eight-year-old. Yeah. See, you know what, you know what Tom, <laughs> Just you know what, throwing Tom, that shit This together. is a perfect example of what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. You just had a hot take on the insurrectionist, but it was s'mores, right? <laughs> right. And then I'm just someone who realizes they have a point. S'mores can be good. Like, right. And, and, and every, for every hot take you may have, as dumb as it may be, there's a guy going, hold on, I've had a great s'more. <laughs> right. And you're like, fuck, man, I don't know. This isn't my hell to die on is s'mores. Uh, wet socks. Nothing worse than walking around in wet socks. That's all I got. Uh, I'll tell you my wet socks joke. Uh, first time I had, <laughs> first time I lost my virginity, I had an orgasm in the condom and then to keep using the condom. And I said, that's a lot like going on a hike with your friends and go, hold on, let me jump in this river with wet socks first. <laughs> okay, now I'm ready for it. Ugh. Everything takes 20 minutes. Advil, trip to the store, water in the blood, uh, something in the bloodstream, working out, meditation. Why is everything 20 minutes? <laughs> I wrote, uh, I, by the way, I, I really do. I could, I was high and I was watching sea lions and I was like, God looks like he was trying to make cookies, but he was just pinching them off because sea lions don't look like they have any form. He was like, let me just, I got a bunch of human matter. Let just me just goo. pinch it off. And I couldn't stop laughing at them. It's I was funny. like, God made them four high people to laugh at. Uh, my daughter walked out of the, the, my daughter walked out of the bedroom the other day and I said, what are you doing? She goes, I think I just finished Instagram. That's great. Uh, why is it so hard getting laid as a teenager? Because your mom is your only fashion designer. For the first 18 years, this is the only woman that decided what was cool for you to wear. <laughs> oh, the worst feeling in the world is when your mom stuck her head into the dressing room and like, are they fitting okay? And you're like, oh, the mom, worst. I'm fine. Just Come out. Let me see. She's I, there with the guy from the store. My favorite thing as an adult is buying clothes and not trying them on and just going, I'm good. I'll buy uh, that hot size higher and lower. Oh. I, I would rather buy stuff and waste the money, and because I know I'm not even going to bring it back. Yeah, uh, then try it on in the dressing room. The humility of the average woman <laughs> who can put on a sweater in in a in a it, like in a store <laughs> yeah. and then look at herself and go, "What do you guys think?" I go, "Where do you get that?" Like I'm sitting there going, "Like 
I'll just buy it. Just don't, don't tell anyone that I think it looks cool. <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> oh. Oh my God. Um, so let's see. I got an immigrant child for the day. That's a big chunk I'm working on. Immigrant child? I got an immigrant child. He was, by the way, this is the premise, and the premise is brilliant in itself, right? So there's this kid from Vietnam. It sounds aggressive. It is actually exactly what I said. Uh -huh. This kid from Vietnam, his mom's got some money. She sends her kid over to America. He's like 10, 12. Uh -huh. Sends her kid to America to experience America. And sends him, obviously, to a Vietnamese family. She's friends with a Vietnamese family. Our best friends are Vietnamese. Uh -huh. And they have him. Now, the thing about Vietnamese people is that they're always Vietnamese. They're not not. Right. There are very few Vietnamese families that are half Vietnamese. So they eat Vietnamese food. Right. They go to little little Saigon or Chinatown. They buy Vietnamese shit. Uh -huh. And so the kid's there for like, he's here for like one week. <laughs> <laughs> so they have him for like five days and on the fifth day they're like are you having a good time because he's not really talking much yeah and he was like i feel like i haven't really left vietnam ah and they're like what <laughs> and they're like yeah he's like i, I mean i came to america and i, I haven't really american done anything american stuff. And they're like let's call bert so they call me up and they're like hey can you show this kid a good time bro i had never had more fun with a child my mine included how old was 10 years old 12 years old <laughs> within the first day I had him, yeah, I had him two days. <laughs> One day was Fourth of July, by the way. For two days, within, within having him an hour, he was all, wanted to throw up because we had eaten so much food. I just, I was like, I was like, ah, oh, we're gonna go. Like, what, what don't you know? <laughs> right. And he's like, uh, fast food. And I was like, bro, we're getting fucking sick. <laughs> yeah. I was like, have you been in In and Out? And he was like, I don't know what that is. I was like, yeah, we're getting that. We're getting a frosty from Wendy's. We're getting some McDonald's fries. I'm like, you. Uh, the first thing I gave him was a. Um, <laughs> was a uh not a mcrib a uh a mcgriddle <laughs> the look on this child's face who Do had I... never experienced the overindulgence of america where he bit into it and he goes is that syrup and i was like <laughs> sugar salt and cheese and salt that's america baby like he literally was like Whoa. i mean this is me and a child that i don't know i've only known him like 10 minutes so in my great. front seat of my car connecting better than i've ever connected with my wife uh, and it, it yeah it was, it was so I, I gotta great. figure out the bit but the just having that's it for a day so great yeah we ended up with, let me show you america oh yeah there's a good angle in that in like realizing how much you love this country oh. when you're just taking that kid around. Why well, guys, is it great here? I got him tomahawk steaks for his last night. Oh my like, God. I, I fell in love with this kid. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, Are you pen pals now? Uh, I haven't talked to him while I changed his name because he, he, he had a Vietnamese name. I was uh -huh. like, bro, you're here. You get, you, what do you want? He was, and he was like, Kevin. I was like, Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> and, then he, and then he called me Barf. Yeah. Oh, that's great. How long have we been podcasting, Halston? Almost, well, we should wow. wrap it up. Yeah. You want one more glass of wine? Are you good? I'm good. I'm I got to drive. I'll take one. I'll take one. Yeah. Just to make it. Oh, my wife's going to pick me up. The, um. yeah, I'm glad we talked about a lot of the stuff we talked about. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, me it's, too. I think it's, 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 it's why I, I look to guys like you and Burr and Rogan as like the sounding boards. I, I really still feel like, and I know I'm not. Age-wise, mm. but I still feel very young in comedy. Uh -huh. I'm always shocked when people feel... I do feel, too, too. Like, yeah, right? Yeah, I do too. And it's weird because we're not. <laughs> we're not. We're the old dudes in comedy yeah. that just got very lucky that comedy aged up. Yeah, right. That's true. Well, I think... I don't think it's... I don't know if it's lucky. Like, I was thinking about that. Like, I, I was... Something with Mark Marin, And he came out with some joke that 
I saw him do something and it was so smart and it was so funny. And I was like, this, that's the difference between now and when we were starting and looking at guys that were way ahead of us. There weren't a lot of guys still writing. There were guys that got there 45 minutes and just coasted. And the cool thing is, the great thing about comedians oh, and writers wow. and musicians is that the older you get, the more life you have, the more you, if you are really mining it and writing and trying to still discover yeah. watching Mark was more relevant than any 20 year old I was watching in that. Oh, I would never, week. I don't, I used to have a joke about, I don't think people under 30 should, their vocal cords should fully develop. <laughs> like they can say <laughs> words like, can I take your order? And, but then your vocal cords will fall apart because I remember, yeah. I, and I, I, I am friends with him. I know you are too. And, and I, I hate to like blow smoke up his ass. I know that's not who he is, but like, Burr gave me hope uh -huh. was that I watched how much better he got. Right. And how much better he's getting. Yeah. And I was like, that wasn't how it was when we started. No. Like there were comics, I won't say their names, but there were comics that I would watch do very dated material on stage. And I was like, oh, they've, they've aged out. Right. It didn't, wasn't relevant anymore yeah. because they got what worked and that was it. And then it became more of a conscientious art form. And I think having to put stuff out it made everybody have to create more if you're going to stay relevant and stay involved. I always said if you could, you're you're as relevant as much as you're writing. If you're constantly writing, constantly mining, constantly coming up with stuff, you can't help but be a part of the culture and be part of the fabric. If you just kick back and be like, I'm just gonna use use that joke. Like there was nothing worse when I was starting. Like when we were starting, and you would watch guys doing like stuff, and like their references then were like, dude, that's. 12 years old what is this guy doing i like, can say an exact name oh i'll yeah. cover my mouth so you don't know <laughs> i watched him eat a dick please edit his name out i watched him eat a solid dick yeah. on stage at the boston comedy club yeah and you know the boston at that time was was very diverse meaning like yeah predominantly ethnic yeah and i and i just was like none like what <laughs> did this work at one time yeah right yeah, but there is this weird current also going on where it's where comedy seems to be, uh, I don't know if fracturing is the right word, but like, there's like, I guess it's always existed, but you yeah. know, like comedy, like music, like people are finding their genre and they're just like, that's what they're in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it becomes very isolated where, you know, there was a time when you had to capture the whole country and now there's like, you know, there's been articles about like alt-right comedy or like, you know, this yeah. comedy or that comedy. And it's like, is it becoming that fractured? Are we becoming like, I see, I would hope that there's more crossover. You know, like, and that's why I think I crave like the comedy store. Yeah. If you go tour, your people are coming. That's cool. But if we all roll into the comedy store and it's a whole mix of acts and a mix of audience that's what's exciting. That's what's oh, like yeah. fun, you know? That's the fun of it is, is getting people that don't know who you are. Yeah. And being like, wait, this works. I mean, I had a bit that I was closing on on my special and I was like, I went to the store to do it for like a week because uh -huh. I'm about to shoot my special. And I was like, this isn't working at all. <laughs> isn't that funny? <laughs> I told Tom, I was like, hey, can you tell me what's wrong with it? And he was like, uh, I think you're nervous about the bit. I th it sounds like it bombed earlier. <laughs> and I was like, it has been. And he goes, I think you're rushing through it. Take your time with it. Be confident. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, 
I, I'm I'm ready for the store to be open. Yeah, me too. I'm I just want to like, get back. I'm ready at like half capacity mass. Anything, whatever they want. Twenty whatever. people, yeah. whatever you want. And I I said that to Adam too. I was like, we'll go for free. I told this to the comedy oh, yeah. seller. I'm like, we don't we, don't worry about that. Cocktails. I mean, give us cocktails. <laughs> yeah, give me yeah. some wings. Yeah, give, give me some, some mozzarella sticks. Let me just raid whatever you haven't <laughs> sold in the fried food area, and and a couple Tito's and sodas, and I'm good. I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, there's definitely this feeling of like as we're coming out of our little hobbit holes. Like there's a lot, you're running into more assholes on the street and you're running it. You're yeah. like, oh, there's that other part of the culture. I'm not that great. I don't want to see, but if it means getting the store open, I'll deal with it. I'll be cool with it. Yeah. Well, we should wrap this up, man. Hey, I the best. really, I really appreciate you doing this. Oh, so great. I got to be honest with you, man. I, I've, I've been, uh, I've been longing for, and, and I'm not saying that the Zooms obviously know. You and Fortune are zooming with people, yeah, on uh, Netflix radio, yeah. But like, the zooms are are awesome, and and I got to be honest, with you, they get me better guests sometimes than I could get in, in person. Sure, but these conversations mean so much to me. I know, I've been me missing too. this in this podcast. Hundred percent. It's just to hang out and and to be like, when you say things on things on a Zoom, it seems like you say it and it's edited, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, they could just like, that just it seems like I'm talking into a camera. Yeah, it's as opposed hard. to I'm talking to another person, and then, you know, then you're having a conversation. It'll be good to fill in the gaps, like if you can get a, a comic from Montreal to like show yeah. up and do it. That that's great, but this is the best. Like when you said yeah. we're gonna, I'm gonna do this and be in person. I think my response was all caps. Yes, please. Oh, fuck yeah. Well, luckily, Tom, you're one of the three comics left in LA. So we'll, we will be doing a lot of these next year. Call me anytime. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right, thanks. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.